Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's edition. Oh, wait. Just regular edition. I'll get used to it. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Look, we took a week off, and it's like the first time we ever done this. I, I genuinely, when I thought about having to do this this morning, I was like, I don't even remember how we do it. What do I have to do? Someone tell me yeah. what I got to do to do this. Yeah, I was. Um, I ma- right. imagined all of the steps that I'd have to take, which are just like fucking opening up Twitter. <laughs> it's yeah. not a lot. Yeah, I like. Uh, I don't have my whole audio setup always plugged in, so I like. I don't know, like fifteen minutes before we started, I was like, "Oh, I guess I gotta plug all that stuff in again." Like oh yeah, in, I'm sure that computer's been this. set up for uh, playing Starfield for the last couple of weeks. Huh? Yeah, it's been Starfield time. It came out. Uh yeah, I guess a few. I guess it came out. What was it, the first of September? I don't remember. Um, uh, I didn't have early access to the sixth. Okay. I I just knew people were complaining about it for a while before I started playing it. So. Yeah 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 yeah. But I don't know. It's been fine. Well, yeah, I've had Bethesda moments for sure. <laughs> I've been Bethesda, <laughs> but I don't know. It, it doesn't seem anywhere near as aggressive as even the latest versions of Skyrim. So. No no no. Seems it, fine. Uh, it has way fewer game-breaking bugs. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about it offline. I got into a loop where it literally it decided to autosave in the middle of a fight with a creature on some planet just the tiniest fraction of a second before it delivered the death blow on me. So every time it loaded in, I died instantly, and then it loaded again, and I died instantly, and then it loaded again. <laughs> and I was mashing the pause button. And eventually, after like dying five or six times, I got to the pause menu and used a bunch of healing items and shit so I could get out of that fucking loop. I don't know why it did, I, nothing was happening. I was just having a fight. I don't know why it autosaved, but that's when it decided to do it. Uh, you can check the autosave rules; they're configurable. Is it is it just doing it a per a certain amount of time? Because I wasn't like yeah. doing anything. There's like a bunch of different rules, but certain amount of time is one of the conditions that triggers an autosave. Well, that must have been it then. And it was extreme. For a second, I was like, well, I'm going to have to go back to find an earlier save or something because this isn't this isn't working for me. But yeah, mostly it's been. uh, um, The problem isn't that Bethesda shit is happening. Honestly, the problem is not enough Bethesda shit is happening. (laughs) You want it to be wilder. Yeah, I haven't run into any chaotic nonsense, just regular nonsense. Like I haven't seen two fucking ships blasting each other in space randomly or anything have you you took the wanted i did background right yeah so occasionally when you have you had this happen yet where you pop into a system and there's two bounty hunter ships that want to kill you and two bounty hunter ships that want to protect you because they want your bounty to get higher no i haven't seen that yet okay so that's a thing that can happen but that seems like that's a mechanic they put in on purpose that's not yeah. like um, 
I came across uh, 19 uh, dead Stormcloaks and three bears, and I just have to imagine what the fuck happened. No, I do wonder what would happen if some of them... Look, various types of people are going to start landing on planets and trying to kill you when you're down yeah. there. It just happens. You'll just see a ship coming down, and you're like, those yep, guys aren't going to be I've nice. already gotten used to it. I spent so much time surveying planets already that I've gotten used to the routine. I hear the ship. I identify where it's going to land, and then I just go down there and crouch behind some rocks and wait to start blasting mercs. Yep. Uh, if that happened on a planet with, you know, megafauna or something, mm-hmm. they could. it's conceivable they could get into a fight with some big bugs. Oh, I mean, to be fair, one time I saw sort of generally where the ship landed, but I couldn't... I was like, where the fuck is it? I thought it was this way. And then I looked like, I don't know, it was like a little bit to my left. I saw a bunch of gunfire. And it's because they were shooting at some, some some beasties. The mercs were fighting some beasties out there. But that's, you know... No, that was fine. I'm just saying, I, I, no one has delivered me um, uh, a notice uh, that someone I that's very dear to me died, and I get 100 yeah. gold. And I'm like, what? Yeah, that mechanic when? I haven't seen either. When did that happen? I, that had nothing to do with me. That guy's on the other side of the map. How did he die? I mean, to be fair, someone that that I know did die in my playthrough, and I did have to go collect their belongings. So, oh, shit. But, but did you uh, see them? It was die? way more scripted than what you were talking about. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, I'm talking about you know you know the Skyrim deal. You're in <laughs> yeah. fucking solitude or whatever, selling and some says, bullshit. And a dude comes up and he's like, "Oh uh, yeah, you know, uh." uh this shopkeeper in uh, River Run, yeah, it's uh, sorry, it's bad. They beefed it. Here's a hundred gold. And you're like, why? But I wasn't over there. So who did that? <laughs> yes, who killed that man? Who killed that person? And why did they do it? Do I have any quests that are broken because of that? Although after I mean, a while, the best would all you have left is broken quests. Yeah, the best thing was always like the courier would come up to you and you'd open the note and it'd say forsworn Briarheart has died. And you're like, uh, <laughs> like, I don't, was I close with him? Why did he leave me anything? The, the boss of an enemy camp. Why did he leave me a hundred gold? That seems really odd. Why did he, be, why did he bequeath me a hundred <laughs> septums? I'm pretty sure I've killed like many of him and I always take their hearts and shit. So I don't know. Yeah, who got his heart? That's what I'm more interested in. You can use that for alchemy or something. That's right. I don't. I don't really understand this. This whole game. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's mostly bug free. Nothing crazy is going on, and um, certain mechanics are extremely tedious. Oh, here's here's my favorite thing so far. The clickbaity YouTube videos that are like <laughs> easiest way to you know, set up an outpost and make a million gold. It's so easy. It's gonna blow your mind how easy it is. And then the video is 35 minutes long, and he describes, like, a 14-hour setup process. Right. And he's like, and that's it. And then you're going to be making so much money. And it's like, I don't want to fucking do that. I'm not going to spend my time playing this game to set up a process by which I'm going to make money in the game. I want to play the game. But every I video is to, like uh... that. They promise that it's super easy, and then you're like, I would never do any of that stuff. I need to dive into that that world this weekend, probably. Because I've reached a point in the game where I need a ship with better range. And, like, I ain't figuring out this dumb shipbuilding system. I tried to fuck with it, like, three times to make it easier to uh, bust open pirate skulls. Yeah. 
and uh, it's dumb. It's not a good system, and they don't, <clears throat> they don't explain how to do anything in the game. So you do spend a lot of time just going through menus going, all right, what can I do and what should I do? And the shipbuilding is one of those where you're like, okay, I can... But going to this mode, I can like take the ship apart and figure out what pieces are in it, and I can maybe find some other different pieces that are better. And yeah, but then, like fucking nothing connects to nothing like you want it yeah, to. Yeah, and then you're like, well, that that looked like that was gonna connect, and it seems like it should, but it is not connecting. And then you go inside, and you're like, oh, this door, this uh, this room doesn't lead to this other room. I have to go back to the menu now and rebuild my ship because I built it and it all works, but like now I'm in here and I can't get to the room next to it. So clearly yeah. these two modules don't play well together. So yeah, it would be nice so, if uh, it was a little bit easier. I just need to, like on Saturday, I just need to type strong, long-range class A ship into Google. <laughs> Let's see what comes up. I just hope that it's got, put this component here and then this component here. You've already got your piloting up far enough to get all the... No, good... A is when you don't have any points. Oh, is A the first one? I don't even remember. Yeah, A is the first is C, one, and C is, C is the... the powerful one? Okay. Yeah. I don't fucking remember. <clears throat> but, uh, like, look, I put all my points into important stuff, like lockpicking and persuasion, mm-hmm. and um, anything I can use to get incredible pistol multipliers so that I can do, like, 500 damage a shot. Yeah, I haven't yet selected a kind of weapon I want to... Um put skill points into um, i've just been doing ballistics so that all of my all my ballistics weapons are stronger but i have to figure out which one i like to use the most i feel like i start off with something rangy and then dudes rush me and i get a little bit scared and i switch to a shotgun so maybe i should just i should put my points into shotgun or something do you at least have them like on a oh you use a controller do you even have a hot bar how do you you can do favorites with the um okay uh, the directional pad <clears throat> this so is all very have, interesting like I, to ryan i assume was ryan playing it uh, i don't know <laughs> he um we'll, we'll get into the mailbag here in a minute he hasn't said he's playing starfield particularly but he he did uh just post something today about bethesda uh, what about our well, one other listener uh half from new york yeah no idea yeah if you tell no us idea if, if they even play video games tell us if you play yeah. starfield <laughs> hopefully this is worth something to you I will tell you this. This is apropos of a mailbag. Mm. Uh, they posted on Mastodon this week. Mm. Hold on. That's right. We're on Mastodon. Uh, you can toot at us. They posted, uh, for how inspired I was when first watching Trek, it's startling how little care went into the writing of much of the series. Yeah, no shit. Much of all of the series. Uh, TNG and Lower Decks are the only ones I've actually enjoyed episodes from recently. And then uh, on behalf of our podcast, I tweeted to him apologies for our contribution to that epiphany. <laughs> and uh, and they tweeted, uh, It was nice to hear some validation after my failed rewatch of Voyager or Enterprise when one or both of them were on Netflix a while back. I don't even think I made it to Silver Bloods. Oh, well, that's confusing, though. Sometimes you think you've made it there, so... We all eventually make it to Silver Bloods, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, look, uh, they're not good. That's If you really wanted to boil down this entire stupid project that's been going on for more than seven years. <clears throat> seven years. Just yeah, to, I know, to its simplest thesis, it's that Star Trek sucks. So, you're welcome. We've proven it. But, I mean, don't nothing not suck. No, that's the, I mean, that's really it. 
every time my wife wants to sit on the couch and watch TV, uh, she's like, what do you want to watch? And I'm like, fucking nothing, man. <laughs> I don't want to watch anything. I'm just going to be mad about whatever we're watching. Why is why did they write it like this, though? It This doesn't make any sense. That's not what a person would do. What's happening? So, but Star Trek's certainly no exception. Should we do the mailbag? Yeah, let's jump in. Mailbag! By Brother Day. Uh, on the 6th, Ryan uh, wrote to us at Brother Date. Actually, that sounds like a good time. And I don't know if that's long enough for a win. I don't know. It's been so many weeks since we've done this. I could have been about anything. Anything. On the on the 8th, he tweeted, Kind of ironic that the shameless corporate plug enabled such a good take, relatively, on capitalism. Well, we were both in a mood to read that Tsunkatsu episode as being about that when it was one thread among many. Yeah, I mean... um, as I described in the episode, I've been in a bad headspace with sports anyway for a long time. And uh, that, Has that improved through the first couple of weeks of the football season? Well, no. I mean, I I sort of root for three teams, and they all lost on Saturday. And I just, I don't know. What's the point? Why do I even bother? I shouldn't, even, I shouldn't pay attention to sports. It doesn't ever bring me any happiness, so I don't know why I do it. Yeah, man, San Jose State went to Toledo and This lost. weekend about how baseball's canceled in your house. I mean, what am I supposed to do about it? <laughs> uh, the the team of my childhood uh, was bought by a shitty billionaire who managed the team shittily so that he could move it out of town, like in the movie Major League. He took the Major <laughs> yep. League game plan and applied it to real life and uh, succeeded. And they're going to leave. And um, billionaires won't stop, man, until every memory of your childhood has been ruined. I guess so. I was telling somebody on a call that, uh, you know, we were talking about the A's leaving, and I said, uh, I don't know, man. I grew up poor. I don't think I can switch my allegiance to the Giants. Yeah. They are the, um, they're definitely the, the fancy team of the Bay Area. I mean, look, it may, maybe in San Francisco, everybody roots for them, and probably in Oakland, everybody roots for the A's. But down here, where it mixes. Yeah. In the crotch of the Bay Area. Yep. Yep. Uh, poor people root for the Oakland teams and the rich people root for the San Francisco teams. That's why it was such a mindfuck when the Warriors moved. Yeah. When we moved across the Bay. <laughs> it's like, what do I do? Uh, yeah. Yeah, our, our mom uh, did go to uh, the Bay Area to see you guys, ostensibly. And... um. So I apologize for all the shit that she talked about us, I guess. <laughs> no, she uh, she didn't really want to talk about anything but your offspring. He's a special boy. He's got special skills. He um He's not he still doesn't know how to jump, but he is trying. Well, right now what he does Not all of us are good at it. <laughs> he extends his legs like he's like he's gonna get up off the ground, but he doesn't get off the ground, but then he falls on the ground to make it seem like he probably jumped. Like, if you weren't really paying attention, you might think that the reason he fell down was that he jumped, but, like, it's not. He didn't get off the ground. Well, he's got to figure it out so you can start choke slamming him. I know. I've threatened to do every wrestling move on him at this point. I heard you on a on a video call threatened to come, come off the ropes at him, come off the top rope at him. Well, he was 
he wasn't paying attention to the people on the call. It wasn't polite. He was sco- he was scooting backwards on the ground. <laughs> yeah. To get out of the shot. He was going to very slowly and carefully remove himself from the situation. <clears throat> I get that. Yeah. Uh, it is. Uh, it was. It is interesting that they were like, we got to get the wrestling audience in here. What should what should the theme of our episode be? Oh, there's no moral way to be a fan of blood sport. <laughs> Actually, you're all kind of the problem if you think about it. All right, I think we did it. I think I think we really we made a, a sincere connection between the fans you know who's thoughtful of, and and uh, introspective about themselves and, <laughs> and their identity. Fans of SmackDown. That guy right there holding the sign that says "Show me your puppies." That guy, he's gonna understand. <laughs> He's going to go home. He's going to look in the mirror and think about, um, you know, whether it's moral to root for uh, badass Billy Gunn, Mr. Ass. And, um, well, I, I always just want to say Scotty Duhati and Grandmaster Sexay. I know you do. Grandmaster Sexay. Yes. <laughs> it's very of its time. He didn't wear a shirt, but he did sometimes wear an aviator's helmet, so. One of those leather helmets. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, you responded to that soon cut, soon cut, soon cut, etc. Great episode. One of my favorite Voyager episodes. Uh, do you want to explain this John Bois? Oh, yeah. Let me see. I got tweet. it. I got it open. Oh, okay. So. He um he does these multi episode series on YouTube. You um look if you've seen the America seventeen seven seventy six or its uh, sequel. I said seen read. I don't know read. It's a, a it's an audio visual feast. I don't know how you consume it, but um, it's he does the same basic shit where there's uh, lots of cheap, badly made graphics and insane synth music in the background and he's he's done like a long one on the history of the seattle mariners and on the atlanta falcons and he's just completed another one on the minnesota vikings and often he releases the um or he publishes his spotify playlist of the crazy synth tracks that he uses in the uh in the songs i mean in the in the videos and he said that this song cumulus um was the mvp of the series and he said, I mean, "It's cumulus B, I think." <laughs> yeah, he said, it's, "He uses it as the Herschel Walker revenge theme in the history of the Minnesota Vikings." But it made people in the live chat apparently go, "Is this a xylophone solo? What the hell am I listening to?" And it's true. This is a buck wild fucking song. I don't know if we. Oh, yeah. Let's get into it. Skip to like two minutes. Later. Do you have it set on original audio? I'm sorry, what? Do you have the Zoom setting set on like original audio or whatever? Ah, uh, yeah, I do. So they're hearing it, but you're not. Okay. 
Uh, this song's five and a half minutes long. I don't feel like I should play all of it, did but you, uh, I'm you, not mad at that. Did you skip to like two minutes in? Do you want two minutes? Yeah, skip to like two minutes in and let it play. Because I think in the middle that gets fucking crazy. Oh, I see. Yeah, you've seen his work. This is just going on in the background while 15 charts are up on the screen. (laughs) Now, uh, if I'm reading this information correctly, this song might be from 1981. Okay. Yeah, 1981. Uh, Which then makes me ask, is this inspired by the famous jizz music of Star Wars? <laughs> it could be, I guess. You could say it's it's jizz. One of the comments says, I've had Graham DeWilde's Clouds on playlists for a while now. I think it's his best work. Can't get enough of Cirrus and Clouds finale. I remember hearing Cumulus B come up during the video and immediately said, took John long enough. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, you know, that's just that's just John Boy stuff. That's what he's up to. Uh, is it boys? I will I never. Apparently, I will never remember it. Yeah. And then finally today, Ryan tweeted, uh, time for your monthly ridiculous photo. And it is a picture of a desk with a chair essentially pe- penetrating it. <laughs> so the back of the chair is coming out of the top of the desk. And it says, welcome to Bethesda Softworks. This is where you'll be working. <laughs> Again, I haven't had any utterly insane moments i haven't had any moments where like that where you're trying to talk to jarl whatever and he uh can't decide whether he wants to sit down or stand up in his throne and he's just kind of doing both it's like got <laughs> one leg's kind of folded up in the chair and one leg's on the ground and he's kind of vibrating and he's doing his whole dialogue yeah so it's much yeah. cl- it's a much cleaner game from what i've seen uh do you are, are you familiar with the member of constellation sam co yeah. Okay, you know this guy? Uh, well, if you ignore the quest after you meet him for a long time, he's oh. just hanging out on your ship constantly. Yeah, I've, yeah that's and, been happening. I did pick him up, and I have not done his quest. Right, yeah. Got into a, a pretty interesting state where about every third time I would board the ship, he would just be slowly sinking down through the floor. <laughs> and then once he was completely under the ship, he'd just come walking out of the cockpit like everything was normal. <laughs> He's slowly so. singing through the floor as if to say, when are you going to fucking do my quest? And saying stuff, too, while he was going down. But it didn't have any... None of it was, oh, this is like that episode of The Next Generation that was so horrifying, or... <laughs> yeah. No, I will hey, say... I'm thinking here. He's been extremely annoying. I'm, like, in the middle of a fight with some fucking Crimson Fleet piece of shit or something up in my cockpit. And he's just having some of his scripted conversations in the background. Yes. The whole fucking time. Him and his daughter are chatting or something. There will be fucking three pirates will ambush you in space, and you'll be uh, dogfighting them and trying to repair your ship and shit, and you're just hearing half of a conversation between two numb nuts in the back. It's like, guys, can and you Which, by the way, up? they change the audio so that it's clear that this is being broadcast over your headset. <laughs> the, that you, the pilot, can hear this. It's not a Bethesda idea that, oh, we could just hear... The guy in the background doing his chatter while this fight's going on. No, yeah. it's being piped in through the fucking intercom. It's like, for some reason, I have, uh, whatever, crew station mic'd 
and uh, I want to listen to that. That is what I am very interested in coming through my headset while I am dogfighting with pirates. What are they talking about in the back? Suppose they're talking about me. (laughs) I love the idea that your character is maybe very paranoid (laughs) that he's being talked about behind his back. He's like used to living alone and being alone, and now he's got these fucking people on his ship, and he's like, I know they're fucking talking about me. They probably saw my Babylon 5 DVDs. I'm going to hear it if they say anything about it. That's my greatest fear if anyone ever comes to see my place is that they'll see my weird stuff. No, they're gonna, I, hate, I hate how they say that the ships look better in real life, but <laughs> that the universe is better imagined in Babylon 5. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's it for the fucking mailbag, oh, by fucking the way. good. Good. Hey, so I stole one of those ships, one of those Merc ships when he came to try to do me in. I yeah. stole it and I, I modded it up because it had way better cargo capacity to start with and then I put extra cargo on it and now it's like oh, shit, nice. much better at holding all the dumb junk that I don't care about. I have a uh, I have a fleet of four little ships now. Nice. That's cool. Uh, two of which are just, you just get them for doing missions. Okay. So, uh, and one, and you know, one's the plot ship and one is like like you, it's an Eclipse ship that I stole. Yeah. But one of the ships that you get for doing one of the mission lines, and it's like in the first mission in the chain, uh, has over a thousand cargo capacity. Oh, that's even better than my modded one. So it's some kind of yeah. hauler on purpose. Well, it did not come with weapons, so I did have to put weapons on it. Yeah. Some kind of, kind of shitty transport. <clears throat> yep. I should check its range. Maybe it's got a big enough range for me to keep playing. There's like, good. Go, hey, go, go find, um, go find a volcanic planet Ugh. in this system, and I, I can't get to that. I don't have enough range to get to that fucking system. Yeah, I hate those missions. I just had to. I was searching a system for a sentient microbial colony, and it was like, oh yeah, I found a couple of those. I surveyed I an entire planet just before look it up. I realized it wasn't on that planet. Oh yeah, because sometimes, like, if you just hit the r button to just go i look i don't want to deal with it just take me there yeah you have to take me there button it'll put you at some planet in the system but it often is not the one yeah i don't know so it, it, it took forever too i had to go to all these different fucking parts of the planet to get all the flora and fauna and everything and then and i was like no nah, it's not even on that planet i looked it up i googled it after that now nah, it's on one of the other planets so fucking a i have so far avoided just googling those things even though i wasn't going to spend another fucking five hours on it I was like, no, <laughs> this is not important. So, <clears throat> oh, just sprinting at some ob- objective nine hundred meters away <laughs> until your rub. oxygen gets too low, and then you just start mashing your boost pack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you make? Did you choose the serpents, whatever, so that you could get like benefits from boosting around or whatever? No, I did not. <clears throat> I don't, I didn't, I have, eventually for a quest, I had to take a point in fucking boost pack. Yeah. Uh, and then, I think I have two points in it now, but no, I did not take any, uh, I, the ones I picked were dumb. I just. I, I didn't know what to pick. They all seemed bad. Every trait seemed like a negative to me. Everyone I looked at, I went, well, I don't want that. That seems bad. Yeah, they pretty much all are. Yeah, so that they shouldn't call them traits. They should go, here's your handicaps. You have to select yeah. three handicaps before you can get started. 
So I picked alien DNA. Okay. Which means that you start out with a little more health and oxygen, but then healing items don't work quite as good. See what I mean? They're all like shitty. Like, well, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sound like a great fucking trait. I I looked at all of them and I picked introvert. Is that good? Yeah. <laughs> that seemed like the least offensive of the ones on there. Because it's like, oh, I mean, if it's you're good with because it encourages you not to travel with companions. And uh, companions get so mad. This oh game asks you to do a lot of nasty shit to people. Uh huh. And there's always this game's like, you're a little, you. you're a little fucking rat. Go here and do this. <laughs> Go shake this guy down. Yep. And then you're like, wait, I, what faction am I doing this mission for? <laughs> Good guys. Remember. What are you talking about? Go <laughs> shake this guy down. Yep. And then there's always some piece of shit standing behind you going, well, I don't like that. I don't think that's very good what you did. And then, because I'm an introvert, it's like, or it's because I'm an impact. No, it's because I'm an introvert. It's like, your self-esteem is suffering right now. And it's like, what does that mean? Which game mechanic is that? Is Do I have a bar for that? <laughs> like, what? where is my self-esteem meter? What happens when my self-esteem goes down? Uh, You can check in your status, but okay. it, uh... Well, anyway. It means for like two hours you're worse at persuading people. Okay. Well, that's what I want. Thanks. Thanks, Bethesda. That's the trade I want. I want to be worse at convincing people to do shit after I've convinced someone to do something and my teammate frowned upon it. That's a good trait. All right, there it's we go. A, I've, I've, we've gotten to the part where we're complaining. This is the complaining okay. section. All right, good. I just, the only thing I want to do and I guess this is maybe how I'll play it in New Game Plus, is just run around and fucking empty out pirate spacesuits. Yeah, fuck all that other shit, man. That's why I take that robot with me, man. The robot doesn't say shit. <laughs> I just do whatever I want. He doesn't say a fucking thing. He keeps his mouth shut? Yeah. I mean, he talks a lot. He, like, weirdly is loves to taunt. He taunts the whole time when he's fighting. He's like, you should not have done that. Now you're going, you, you won't survive this encounter. And it's like, why does he talk so much shit? Who programmed him? Uh, but then inevitably want... he does go, I have taken damage. And then I turn around and he's like laying on the ground. I need to find a companion that's got the trait like stands back. Mm-hmm. Because the thing that has frustrated me the most in my playthrough so far is, oh, I'll have killed a whole bunch of people or whatever. Stealth my way through a level or something. And then I get to a guy I've got to talk to. And just as I'm about to hit the button to talk to him, my fucking companion walks right in front of me. <laughs> and I start a conversation with them instead. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I do, hey, just um, just a couple of steps back, man. When Sarah was traveling with me, I uh, made the mistake of giving her grenades, and then she was fucking throwing them every 10 seconds <laughs> and throwing them so badly, bouncing them off the wall right back at both of us. I don't know why they don't program to aim. I had to take her grenades away because she got grenade happy. Because if so you give first them you said, one hey, ammo, let's trade items, and you slipped her some grenades. Uh-huh. And then later you were like, hey, let's trade items. Let's trade and then you took the grenades right back. Because back. <laughs> if you give them one ammo of any kind, they treat it as unlimited ammo. So like, oh, if you just okay. give them like yeah. one bullet, they'll just, for whatever gun they've got, they can just shoot forever. They don't need ammo. And same thing with grenades. I expected her to throw two grenades and be done or whatever. But no, <laughs> she just kept throwing them at me, at her. It was some fucking bullshit. All right, should we do Star Trek? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we should just because we want to get this project over with. (laughs) I've already been doing this for seven years, so can we just do this, please? (laughs) Yeah, you got it. 
Uh, all right, we're going to talk about week 134. Uh, last place last time was The Next Generation. This week we watched The Quality of Life. <laughs> Well, it's a poker game, <laughs> and um, the topic of conversation is Jordy's beard. Yeah. There was a little chatter about it last week. This is a real slow burn on Jordy's beard. I'm very confused about it. He wanted to have a beard um, at his wedding, so they wrote it into the fucking show that he grew a beard again. Wait, did you say he had to have a beard at his wedding? He wanted to have oh, a beard okay. at his wedding. All right, that's he wanted different. to wear a beard when he got married. For a second, I thought you said he had to have it, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, it's Beverly Warfriker and Jordy, and Beverly tells the three bearded companions that she finds beards suspicious and a fashion statement and an affectation, and she bets them all their beards on the next hand versus, um, dyeing her hair brown. I mean, Riker jumps in with that. I, they're giving you cues the whole time. Worf is not in on any of this. Yep. Worf doesn't want to lose his beard. He doesn't care what hair color uh beverly crusher has so he is like the whole time he's looking around suspiciously yeah jordy can't see color it's <laughs> not gonna look any different to him would jordy give a shit? if she dyes her hair jordy just wants to be one of the guys i think he's like yeah that'd be hilarious Riker fucking just instigated this he was probably what probably happened was Riker was like i'm thinking about shaving my beard anyway what color is brunette is that the color of the table or is that the color of is that the color of Worf's shirt what color is brunette <laughs> Uh, well, I know you dyed your hair because the you have like a weird uh, chemical halo around your head, but <laughs> it's kind of weird that no I one's can't like actually coughing and choking. see the difference. People keep walking through it. Anyway, um, they don't even get to finish this hand because uh, the ship arrives at the Tyran system and everybody gets called to duty. That's right. Once again, they didn't check the schedule before they started playing poker. <laughs> They always arrive somewhere that they were scheduled to be. Uh-huh. They're never, it's never like uh, the ship shakes because they're under attack suddenly or anything. Nope. Yeah. No, it's just like when... Uh, did, was someone having dinner? Did someone sit down for dinner and then they got called right to the fucking bridge the yep. last time we had this conversation? Uh, probably, yeah. They're probably, probably somebody fucking sat down. Maybe they were sitting down to have a chocolate sundae. You never know. Yeah. Something like, like mm, that. I'm gonna have a chocolate sundae, and it's like, blah, blah, blah. oh, we've arrived in the whatever system. I'm like, oh, dang, ah, dang, my sundae. Well, this time they are there to review a particle fountain project. Um, this is some kind of mining technology, some kind of orbiting station that's doing some mining on the planet below. It's running behind schedule, and. In the grand tradition of the original Star Trek, yes. they're sending a battleship to see what's going on. Yes, yes. This is very important for the flagship of the Federation. Uh-huh. Uh, we cut to the station, and Jordy is, like, weirdly mad mm. at the person running this project, uh, Dr. Farallon. He's already been reviewing not the being script able to... for that episode where Warp Drive's going to cause all those, all those big anomalies. <laughs> He's just he's getting ahead of the being angry about his I job. See. Yeah. He's like, he's so, 
he's got so much energy about this uh, thing not being able to lift 500 kilograms a minute from the surface. He actually shouts at her. <laughs> it's true. I, I definitely have character notes about it. Um, it turns out that Starfleet is considering a similar implementation for uh, Karima 3, Karima 3. I don't remember now. Yeah, that week off uh, really fucks us, man. <laughs> We've already watched them. So I got sick uh-huh. last week. And uh, you had already seen all three of them, and I'd seen two of the three of them. So yep. now that shit seems so fucking far away. Uh, anyway, we're not giving any ideas to why that's an urgent project, or why do, is does it only work if Starfleet can use this fucking particle fountain? Why is the military arm of the Federation doing mining? Yeah, we don't we don't understand anything about the stakes of this, but uh, Jordy seems under the gun, right? Well, while they're arguing, there's a malfunction in the power grid, and the particle beam is at risk of losing containment, and that'll mean shutting it down, and that's going to basically kill this project. Yeah, because Carl's got to make his recommendation one way or another in the next fucking three and a half minutes or something. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Listen, they fucking flew all the way out here to talk to her, as if that was going to turn it around. (laughs) Well, man, we're going to talk about every season or so. Don't just drop in on scientists. Don't drop in early. <laughs> Don't do any. Just fucking leave them to their work because they're weird. And if you show up three days early, there could be a murder. So, do you remember when uh, Kirk and them boys showed up and the guy was real defensive? Like, I'm sure you want to know why we want more salt. Well, we need salt <laughs> for lots of stuff. And Kirk's like, yeah, hey, I don't, I know. Yeah, Kirk's like, hey, well, no one cares about the salt. We man. all love salt. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Um, luckily, Dr. Farallon has a little experiment that she's been running on the side that she wants to show Jordy that can maybe solve this power grid problem they've got. Mm. And he doesn't immediately say, so this is what you've been working on instead of the particle fountain, right? <laughs> you know, I thought about that exact thing later when we see her hanging out in 10 forward. Uh-huh. When Jordy goes to find her and she's just having a cup of tea, and I'm like, Wait, the he's whole time everyone's complaining two about engineering shifts <laughs> to try and fix her goddamn station. The whole time everyone's complaining about how under the gun they are, but she's just chilling. And I thought back at that moment and I said, she probably shouldn't have spent so much time on those exocomps, huh? Yeah, and that's what she wants to show Jordy the exocomps, and um, and then she's it's this weird little robot guy with big trapezoid feet and a little octagonal barrel for a body. And um, luckily, this station is built with a bunch of what I'm going to call power holes. Yeah, you gotta you gotta uh, <laughs> crawl into the power hole and uh, Which are make these, sure it doesn't blow weird. up. It seems to be the main thing. I think they're always on the verge of blowing up. <laughs> they're these weird conduits that are too small for a human to go down. <laughs> So why do they exist? Yeah, I don't know what the holes are for. It's so that when those rocks come flying out, they come out like a fucking cannonball. They just fucking shoot all over the fucking place. Uh, So they send send this little exocomp down the power hole to fix things. Um, And after that, uh, she and Jordy come aboard with the little guy. And Jordy takes it down to engineering. uh, And Farallon meets Data... And she's a big fan of uh, Dr. Soong's remarkable work. 
And I guess data by proxy? Yeah. Uh, um, she has nothing but respect for Dr. Soong's incredible accomplishment or whatever. Uh, yeah. When she first meets data and she's all over the fucking place trying to praise him and everything, Marjan did say, oh, is she going to be into data? <laughs> I was like, thankfully, I don't think that's where this episode goes. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't one of the 40 episodes where data gets it wet, so don't worry about it <laughs> yeah. this week. No, and if she had uh, it, if she had a boner for him, he ruins it pretty quick. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Anyway, she's a big fan for now. They go down to engineering. They crack open one of these exocomps. She starts explaining it. She's been tinkering with an industrial servo mechanism, mm. and uh, and Jordy thinks this thing's almost as powerful as Data now. Yeah, she's giving it some kind of AI, and it's got a micro replicator. So it can make its own tools and solve engineering problems on its own. And it gets smarter every time it f- encounters new problems. Right. And Jordy says, hey, yeah, this thing is great. Uh, when you get this out of the experimental phase, you know, when this thing's ready for production, poof, it's going to be amazing. And, uh, well, she ain't one of them good scientists, <laughs> turns out. Because <laughs> she comes right back at him with, well, I... <laughs> Well, I, I assumed the experimental phase was over now. <laughs> yeah, I showed you that one. I went down the tube. You remember? When I threw it down the power tube? She goes to Picard, who's probably pretty confused when they bring this fucking robot in. Yeah. And she says, hey, I know the station ain't ready, but if you'll hang out here for, uh, I don't know, 48 hours? Mm-hmm. I could put these little fucking robots to work. We can get this thing going. Because, you know, the problem's been in all the years we've been working on this. No little robots. Couldn't get down the power holes. <laughs> but now I've built them. <laughs> Instead of getting the fucking particle fountain ready. I built these little fuckers. And Picard says, uh, what's the risk of doing this? And Jordy says, I don't know. They could get farther behind. Mm. There's no stakes. Yes, according to Jordy, so, there are uh, no stakes, but he seems to forget how close this station is to blowing up at all times. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> a big old bomb. And By the way, no investigation as to why that happened, and no one cares. It does not deter them from staying there and working. She says stuff in this episode like, ah, oh, this problem keeps happening. And I, <laughs> the first time the everything goes to red alert and they start panicking about how there's going to be radiations and shit and she goes ah oh, yes this happens a lot i would have been like well your program's fucking canceled <laughs> yeah. until you can get it to the point where it's not a constant threat to explode and irradiate everybody uh we're just gonna have to pass i think for now but no they just keep going um anyway picard says yeah i don't care if you use the robots i'll hang out for 48 hours who gives a shit uh, she asked for Data's help. Um, back on the particle fountain, uh, Data seems to be impressed with uh, Peanut Hamper's grandmother here. Yeah. Because she's, she's performed a ton of tasks in like half an hour. But when they send it in yet another power hole to seal a plasma conduit, it just comes back and makes frowny buzzy noises when they try to repeat the command. It's a real R2-D2 situation. Yeah. It even overloads the con- the little control pad that Dr. Farallon's using, giving her a little shock. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess it was right not to go down there, because moments later, a bunch of sparks and rocks shoot out of the power hole it was in. That's space for you, man. Nothing but lightning and rocks all over the place. You know, the natural materials still still work better than anything man's come up with, so <laughs> we do right. use a lot of rocks in our Starship and Space Station construction. <laughs> They're mostly made of rocks. 
yeah, I don't know why it zapped her. It was already ignoring her commands entirely. It could have just kept doing that, I guess. Yeah, I guess it was irritated by getting the commands at all. <laughs> I already said no. I said no. Fucking stop asking. Um, uh, Data and Dr. Farallon take the rogue exocomp to the Enterprise, presumably while someone else fucking cleans up the station, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I, that one, I mean, right after that explosion, like a grad student walks over and grabs a peanut hamper, just picks it right up off the yeah. ground. <laughs> it's very funny. No, by the way, not only is it a grad student, but it's a Chinese grad student. It's a Chinese grad student. And uh, let me tell you, I'm just going to just pull this fucking straight out of my quick hitters. Um, <laughs> love that fucking grad student who ran in to grab the exocomp after the explosion with all those rocks. You know, that guy's been forced to write hella papers about exocomps, even though he joined this lady's lab because of his interest in particle mining <laughs> technologies. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Uh, all the time she's like no i need you to do a little bit more work on uh, on this exocomp and he's like fucking god damn it how am i ever gonna graduate this is bullshit (laughs) um well like you called out uh when they start investigating this rogue exocomp because again that's what's interesting about the sudden explosion (laughs) on the station is that the exocomp stopped taking orders certainly all data cares about they see a lot of uh, random appearing neural pathways in its little brain, <laughs> and uh, Doctor Farallon says, "Ah, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we've seen this before." <laughs> when they get like this, uh, they ain't no good no more. They don't. <laughs> when they stop, they stop uh, going in there and blowing up for me. I just, uh, I, I wipe them. I start them over. Yep. Oh yeah. Once they get like this, you gotta do a factory reset and then send it back to Exocomp School. And we don't we don't got time for that, so we only got two Exocomps left now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Jordy says, "Well, all right. I guess we can replace them with a bunch of humans. So let's just send. I'll send. Let's send a whole shift of my engineers over to the station that has attempted to explode twice now." Yep. I mean, they probably are humans too. You're right. This is a fucking Homo Sapiens only club, basically. I mean, all the ones Jordy works with. He doesn't work with no aliens. I've never seen one on there. I mean, like, later we'll see Torek, but... Also, he's only he only lets one engineer be taller than him, and is Reginald Barkley, and that's because he's smaller in many ways. <laughs> that's so. right. Makes up for it. Yeah. So you're, Jordy you're doesn't not feel wrong. five foot eight around him. A lot of Ferris Bueller's hanging out down there, for sure. There's a lot of Ferris Bueller types down in engineering, for sure. <laughs> There's never a six foot four engineer down there. Never a Cameron. They ain't got no Camerons down there. It's all oh. Ferris. Um, Jordy jokes with Data that the Exocomp got out of the conduit just in time, and Data says, "Well, what do you mean? Do you think it was trying to save its own life?" <laughs> I love a situation where they set up the whole plot of the episode is just Jordy just saying a random thing, and Data. Having a huge overreaction to it. Yeah. And Jordy goes, what? No, that was a joke, man. I got work to do. <laughs> and, but Data just says, yeah, well, I guess I don't anymore. And he just takes the fucking exocomp because uh, he's got ideas. Yeah. Uh, the first thing he discovers is that the circuitry that shorted out has repaired itself. Mm-hmm. Two hours after the danger was over. It is a mystery to which we already know the solution, but... You know, it's it's presented as a puzzle. Sure. Why, did, why did it fix itself, I wonder? Yeah. I would have said, why did it take two hours? 
this is where Jordy goes down to 10 forward and finds Dr. Farrell on drinking her troubles away. <laughs> she said it was she tea, tells him, but I think you're right. I don't think it was tea. I, well, I mean, it was in a tea cup, but you can ask the replicator to do that. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Gunning ain't around this week. Gunning ain't around much for the rest of the series. No, it was just, that, like just as an FYI. One of those clowns in the fucking clown outfits that work for her. Why is she making more clown outfits? Yeah. It's a good question. I guess, given the normal uniforms... They're all sort of clownish. If you need to be less imposing... <laughs> than, than the uh, rainbow bright uniforms of Starfleet? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You do kind of have to. When one of Jordy's little uh, Ferris Bueller's comes in in his mustard <laughs> uniform... <laughs> you gotta be pretty silly to be it's, uh, less Green imposing. and black checkers. It's the only <laughs> thing you can do. Uh, she tells Jordy he's right. She's trying to move too fast. She's just always been that way. Mm. And then she tells him she'll do whatever it takes to make this particle fountain a reality. Yeah. Even sacrifice the laborers. Yeah. In the next scene, we learn, for no reason, that Beverly Crusher has been taking Batleth lessons with Worf. It's, she has a lot of flexes in this episode, but it's not about her at all. Yeah. She's patching up a cut on her arm when Data comes in to say, Mommy, hmm. Mommy, what's the definition of life? Yeah. <laughs> I need it and for a report I'm working on. She points him over to her office in probably the best physical acting scene in the show. Mm-hmm. Maybe the whole week. I mean, she does some stuff with Warp in this scene that's pretty good, too, actually. I think she, I think she was on it this week. <laughs> she just like she just looked at the script and said that's it for me this week huh alright <laughs> time to do some acting gates <laughs> I'm gonna blast these two scenes and then I'm gonna go fucking blast myself see in she my trailer data <laughs> I'm gonna make these fingers dance mm-hmm. She gives Data some biological definitions of life, uh, which obviously don't apply to him. Yeah. And he wonders, okay, so what makes me alive? And she says, man, Fuck, I, I don't, don't know. know. You were at the trial. You, fucking you tell me. I wasn't even in there. We've all agreed that you're alive. Uh, mega Is strength, that... I think. Is that, yeah. Is that it? I don't remember. You got arms? <laughs> the arms come off? Wait, was that a was that a, against you being alive? I don't remember. Yeah. She tells him everybody spends all their days wondering what life is and isn't that what matters. And for some reason, he tells her she's been really helpful, <laughs> even though he's not normally the tactful guy around here. Yeah, that's right. It's obviously not true. It doesn't help him in any way figure out whether the exocomps are alive. But uh, Then he beams over to the station to ask Dr. Farallon to please stop using the exocomps. He thinks they might be alive. <sighs> They immediately, she immediately takes this to Captain Picard, who calls a briefing. Um, I guess he doesn't really have a lot to do for the next 48 hours. Yeah. He's not really doing any of this particle fountain shit. Getting some of that saddle time in. <laughs> Probably. If she, if she had gone in <laughs> to see him, or if he, if he called the briefing and he was just in his riding outfit, no no dialogue about it at all. Yep. Great. Just, we, if we just picked that up at home, that'd have been great. Yeah. Yeah. Or if she'd gone to t- see him and he'd, and he'd just 
put his finger in the ear and go, oh, saddle time. <laughs> and then she goes, but wait, hold on. And he goes, oh, saddle time. And then he just walks away. That'd be great. Dr. Farallon is fighting mad about this. Time is wasting. Uh, Enterprise is going to leave. Also, she built these things. Yeah. And she she sure doesn't think of them as alive. Data presents his evidence that the Exocomp burned out its own interface and then repaired itself when it was safe. And uh, Dr. Farallon thinks it's hot trash and the Exocomps are just tools. And uh, Counselor Troy, who is on duty today, for this her, scene, certainly. Why she's having such a hard time with this idea. Yeah. Uh, they decide to test Data's theory. So they set up a simulated failure in a plasma conduit on the Enterprise. It's safe, but they think it should fool an exocomp. And they send it in to run the test. And the idea is if this thing returns before a minute is up, then it's uh, just a machine. It just would have stayed in there and died if it had been real. Yeah. So we sit there and look down a tube for a minute, but everyone is too far away to see the exocomp start to leave and then return to fix the issue. No one says shit about that. They must not have seen it. They just fucking (laughs) send it down there and start going in their heads. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Instead of, you know, monitoring it in any way. You could almost see Peanut Hamper start to leave and go, oh, wait a minute. Oh, that ain't real. Hold on, that ain't real, (laughs) though. Oh, they think they must think it's real. Oh, they're dumb. All right, well, I'll fix this then. Yeah. So since they don't see that, everyone, including Data, assumes the test is a failure. Mm. But I guess something must have bothered Data about it because when Crusher comes to find him in engineering, he's rerunning the test for the thirty-fifth time. Yeah. Even though every single other time has been a failure by those standards. Yeah, something must continue to bug him, because uh, N yeah. equals 35 is usually enough. I mean, for a test that no one put any thought into, including, <laughs> can we see it when it's doing the work? <laughs> Should we watch what it's doing? Yeah. Uh, she, she wants to know why this is so important to him, and he says he views this exocomp as a kind of progenitor of his, and maybe, and this is a thing that has come up with Data a bunch of times, maybe it's proof that he's not alone. Oh, boy, good. Yeah. Finally getting some, finally getting somewhere with Data, knowing what he's all about. So while they're having this talk, uh, the Exocomp returns, <coughs> and Data realizes something is different. Uh, in all the previous uh, to- uh, runs, after the minute, is up and therefore it failed they just fucking manually summoned this thing back on the control pad yeah but this time they let it fucking finish its job and it came back with a different tool on the front of it and data realizes that oops uh it was a little smarter than we thought and it realized the signal was fake and it corrected the fake signal with its little tool made a new tool to to remove the simulation Now, what this means was the test is invalid. Data repeated an invalid test 35 times. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, he doesn't know so much about science. But what Data jumps right to is, yeah, I was right. The exocomp's alive. (laughs) Not just it figured out how to solve this problem, what it was designed to do, solve problems. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Picard has gone over to the station for a tour. Why would he go over there? 
Maybe his butt hurts from too much saddle time. <laughs> it's about to explode. Doesn't he remember? Yeah, he forgot that it's dangerous. <laughs> um, <laughs> and of course, everything goes dark and starts beeping. <laughs> and then there's a big explosion. <laughs> and whoops, the station is going to be flooded with radiation and has to be evacuated. Certainly by now, he knows he's going he's gonna to tell Starfleet not to use this technology, right? Yeah, he's like, look, I honestly don't know if it's the particle beam or not, but I will tell you that the station tried to explode three times in eight hours. Yeah, it's not good. It's not what you want from... I'm not going to recommend this. I don't even like the people on Karma, and I'm not going to recommend this for them. So I assume that part of the reason they're so behind in schedule is because they have three graduate students just full-time sweeping up rocks. (laughs) What a harrowing fucking assignment for these kids. Jesus. (laughs) No kidding. Uh, Picard calls Enterprise and tells them prepare for an emergency transport and Riker immediately calls for red alert and since (laughs) O'Brien is on Deep Space Nine now it's probably a while before someone thinks we should probably lower the shields though if we're going to do an emergency exact same fucking note (laughs) I said he's just like prepare for emergency (laughs) transport and Riker fucking pipes up because he loves to say it red alert he's like does it as he stands up real dramatically yep yeah i have here in world building do the shields go up automatically upon signaling red alert if so that has been my understanding Riker should not have called for red alert when picard calls for emergency transport we don't see the part where Worf reminds him about the shields yeah (laughs) uh jordy goes looking for takenta who i think is the grad student from before okay But unfortunately, he has been killed in an explosion. Oh, fuck. But <laughs> it's too bad. that extra little time they took looking for him means that now Jordy and Picard are trapped on the station. They can't beam out anymore. Great. Good stuff. They they got about 20 dang minutes before the radiation levels become lethal. And uh, they try to fix it a little bit. But, you know, Jordy's in a giving up phase right now. It's the same thing on the Janolan. <laughs> It's true. Uh, he did basically. The, he really Luke Skywalker his way through that one. Yeah. He uh, he just tells Picard the solution's going to have to come from the Enterprise. He's, t- um, he's, they figured he's that tired out. of saving the day, man. He really like with Wesley gone. It really is uh, just on him all the time. It's just it's the Jordy the Ford show. Whenever yeah. there's trouble now. Um, they're trying to figure it out over there too. It's not help that they have Riker in charge but uh they figure a torpedo could do it but they don't have time to program the torpedo to do it they're not gonna just shoot the station with a torpedo they gotta make it do something fancy remember that time when Worf needed hell a long time to program those torpedoes yep but then sometimes he just goes beep beep boop anyway (laughs) it's fine yeah if there's a preset it's fine they don't have a preset for disrupt the particle fountain well Okay. Or I mean, blow or blow up that cave. Look, last week he he was trying to do a bunch of extra make work so he wouldn't have to go play in the holodeck with his kid, but uh <laughs> he uh he was content to just sit around listening to the various beeps and boops instead of programming a torpedo to blow to stop the particle found just in case. Yeah. Um but Dr. Farallon says, I mean, I could program the exocomps to be little flying bombs, and uh, that would only take like a minute or two. 
<laughs> and here's where Data steps in and goes, no, they're still alive, man. I can't <laughs> let you do that. I didn't tell you guys. I've, I don't know how long it's passed since I figured out in my head that they are definitely sentient, but I didn't tell anyone. No, I didn't want to. Listen, frankly, I was hoping no one would ask because it's embarrassing that I repeated that test 35 <laughs> times before I figured out it wasn't valid. Yeah. But yeah, I can't, I can't do this, man. And anyway, they won't let you. They'll uh, just burn out the thing like before. But uh, Dr. Farallon says, yeah, but I mean, we could just lobotomize them. Yeah. I've done it. I've done it hundreds of times. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and Riker says, good, do it. Lobotomize them so they can't say no. Yeah. Send them in. But um, Data takes the transporter offline and locks it out. Mm. And he refuses to release it. Acknowledges that it's a court martial offense, but he's not gonna. Then he says, beam me over. I'll try and shut the fucking thing down. And Riker says, that's a suicide mission. And Data says, yeah, but I can choose it. And you're not going to let the exocomps choose to go on their suicide mission. And Riker says, all right, what if we give them a choice? And you can tell that he is exasperated. (laughs) He doesn't want to give them a choice. No, at no point in this episode does Riker um, get on board the let's treat them like people uh, train. I mean, really, nobody I'm gonna does. Be, Only Data really I'm going to be very clear about this. I don't think Riker sees one the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he even knows what they look like. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know He's they look like exocomps. weird little balls with feet. He felt like everyone else knew what exocomps meant, and he didn't want to ask. Sure. I get that. So, they program the exocomps for this suicide mission, but the exocomps start reprogramming themselves, and Data says, well... I mean, these guys have worked on the particle fountain, you know, their whole lives. Yep. <laughs> Maybe they know better. Maybe they've got a better solution. And they replicate something that Data calls a power tap mm. in the front. And they change the coordinates to go into the station core. And, uh, yeah, everyone says, yeah, fuck it. I guess, uh, I guess Picard and Jordy, uh, really better hope you know what you're doing, Data. Yeah. And so in they go. And Jordy and Picard watch them siphon energy from the core until the stream frequency changes enough for Enterprise to beam them out. And we but can tell at home because only... the color changes. Yeah, that's right. And luckily, Jordy was there to explain to Picard what was happening. <laughs> Although, how great would it have been if Jordy had already been on the Enterprise and Picard was just watching the whole thing? And then, <laughs> as the when the color changed, he said, "It's a metaphor." <laughs> no one there to explain to him how metaphors work. Yeah. Um, but they're only able to beam two of the three exocomps back. One had to keep absorbing the stream to save the other two. Mm. R.I.P. Fairlawn tells Data she doesn't know what the exocomps are, but she won't be treating them as simple tools anymore. And then Data goes to apologize to Picard for, you know, imperiling his life. Sure. And Picard says he understands and that it was the most human decision he ever made. <sighs> then the ship flies away and leaves the exocomps in Dr. Farallon's care. The end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where's Admiral? What's his name? Where's Maddox? Where is the Starfleet robot core? Yeah. Yeah. Where are they at? I guess they didn't tell them either. No, they didn't. Matt, what's this one about? Uh, even if you aren't sure you're doing something wrong... If, if there's a chance you are. 
fucking think about it. I mean, like, they're actually faced with a difficult situation and nobody's even trying to, like, no one's trying to take the possibility of the Exocomp's intelligence lightly at all. They're just kind of in a tough spot. But yeah, I don't know what else like, this episode is trying to say other than what is life. Yep. <clears throat> which would somehow be worse than the score I gave this, which is a two. <laughs> um, Yeah, so... This seems like it's going to be an episode about what life is, mm. because there's a solid 10 minutes of discussion about that. Yeah. But then, ultimately, it seems to be an episode about Data having to make a big decision without any concrete evidence, and yeah. coming to the conclusion that he cannot allow an action he believes is wrong sure. to occur, no matter what the source of that belief ends up being. And that's an interesting quandary. <clears throat> Yeah, because, um, um, you know, while I might trust me to make a gut decision, I don't trust basically anyone else in the universe to make a decision based on their gut. <laughs> yes, and we have a society of laws that occasionally supersede people's individual beliefs and gut feelings about things, right? Mm -hmm. And Data is in a quasi-military situation here. Right. Which is, you know, even more should be even more discouraging of just go with your gut. Mm -hmm. And while everyone understands why he does what he does, I think he's pretty lucky that it all worked out. I mean, it would have been a pretty... His assignments would have gotten progressively shittier from there, certainly, if uh, Captain Picard had died. <laughs> because yeah. uh, he just had he a feeling. he locked out the transporter. He just had a feeling about those exocomps, and, you know, they couldn't let him go. Um, I'm going to say it's a three. Okay. I, I just, I kind of, I like the idea personally that you can't let wrong stuff happen, but I think we have to do better than just uh, a belief. Everyone we do what you believe is right. Substantiate. <laughs> yeah. Yep. See, that's the thing. Cause like that does sound good. And again, I'm like, there are lots of situations where what is right is not what is codified but I look around I don't trust any of you fuckers you listening at home I don't trust you <laughs> Judah I don't trust you I don't trust you anyone in life to make that decision because everyone's a bunch of trifling motherfuckers out there so that's why rules are good because everyone's bad so it's hard to yeah it's a tough one <clears throat> yeah Uh, execution. execution. Yeah. yeah. Um, the poker game in the beginning means nothing and does not set the stage for the episode in any way. Data's not even in it. Pay off in any way. <laughs> Where's Data? Data's not in it. It's not about what it means to be alive. It's not about gut instincts. It's about gender norms. It's and like then it we don't follow up with it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like how that Oan eggs one wasn't in the Kyle Riker episode. Which was so fucking confusing. Because the Kyle Riker episode was like the next week. And I was like, what the fuck was that teaser about? Was that about anything? It should have been the Kyle Riker. Up the, 
are we finally getting some background information on Riker because his dad's coming next week and we need to know it? It was so We weird. need to feel comfortable with it. It had nothing to do with the episode it was in, but would have been perfect the next week. Yeah, well, I find it unlikely that this beard talk is going to be important next week in the episode. Hold on. Chain then, of Command Part 1. <laughs> but then also they talked about it last week. It's Again, now you have told me the real life reason, but you would have every reason to believe they were talking about it for some fucking reason. Should Jordy grow a beard? Just, People didn't like it the one time. They talked about it twice. <sighs> um, it's just a time. It's just there to make up a little time this week. You know, it's nothing. Yeah. And then the episode is all questions and no answers. The exocomp undergoes one test for one aspect of one definition of being alive, and it doesn't even pass that test. The test just isn't valid. Yeah. So Data has nothing to go on this episode. Just as good. Yeah. And Picard's right at the end when he says this is the most human decision that Data's made, because there's just no way to couch any of this in logic. Yeah. But we don't really get into why Data is suddenly capable of making this kind of decision. I mean, in the Whether... defector, he doesn't even know what gut is. Yeah. I realize that was three years ago, but, like, he's gone from there where he's like, Jordy has to explain to him the whole concept of intuition, which is yes. unfucking believable because he's been activated for, like, <laughs> two and a half decades he or something. Lived among humans for 25 years. But uh, Jordy, first time someone has explained to him what the fuck a, a gut instinct is. And yeah, he goes from there to this one where he's just uh, making these wild leaps and being like, look, man, Picard and Jordy might have to eat it because I feel like I'm right. Um, we don't get into whether Data has any responsibility to represent the exocomps, whether he should actually try and get a little distance from this situation, any kind of legal precedence as usual. So um, this one was not particularly satisfying. It's a three again. Yeah, they didn't even mention the, uh, hmm, what is the, what is, what is, what's her name cite as president in the data trial? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, mm, uh, well, anyway, there, are, they, they, they cite some existing law in that episode. They don't even go that far on this one. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I said, it's not a bad episode, really. Everybody has their hearts in the right place. Even the science lady isn't like a mustache twirler or anything. Data is still frighteningly quick to um, switch into crazy robot mutiny mode. Some of the dialogue really falls flat. But it's a bunch of like capable people trying to do smart stuff in space. So it's not, it's not terrible. Um... Here I said, how far away are they from this particle fountain? This lady says they'll never be able to do a shuttle rescue in 22 minutes. Why are they so far away? It's like, well, because it's this is the third explosion. I mean, it would make sense fountain. to move pretty far away, but like, how big Pres is the explosion going to be? Presumably after each of the two previous events, uh, Riker had to answer back, Riker, back the ship off <laughs> nice and slow. And that's how you would say it, too. But like... Yeah, you get far enough away to avoid the explosion. Like, does it take a shuttle that fucking long to make up that time? Anyway, it's like they bring it up just so that someone can say you can't do it because someone at home will go, why don't I just take a shuttle over there? Um, Which, by the way, they could have said, there's there's no shuttle. The found doesn't have a shuttle bay. 
So, or they'll be like, well, the problem's the same, but it's all that radiation, so you can't put anyone in that. You can't, you can't send a rescue team into that or something. Um, Data doesn't appear to have told anybody that the exocomps ended up, uh, I don't know, he thinks passing the test. Wouldn't he be worried? I mean, he told Dr. Crusher, but uh, she, was there. she didn't go to Picard. <laughs> she was in the room when it happened, so like, you know. She knows, but he apparently didn't tell anyone else. Wouldn't he be worried they were still being used as slave labor the whole time? Yeah, you would think so. What would have changed from the time he went in there and put his foot down and said they can't be used anymore because I think they're alive? Then he says, no, no, they passed the test so good that it blew our minds, but then he doesn't tell anyone anything about it until the bridge later when they're like, all right, well, let's just blow up the exocomps or whatever, and he is like, oh, no, uh, I forgot. Uh, I didn't tell you guys (laughs) the exocomps are actually super smart. So you can't, you can't do that. It's super weird. Uh, just a four for me. World building. Um, particle fountains I have here, which do something. Oh, mining. Okay. It's a mining technology. Exocomps, I guess maybe uh, sentient little robos. Um, this lady's a heck of an inventor, huh? She made this um, kind of shitty particle fountain that Starfleet's interested in, nonetheless. But then she made these little, uh, these little peanut hampers and shit. Yeah, just like as a goof, <laughs> just as a fucking side project because she was too bored, too bored on this fucking to get particle this, fountain, this big bomb in space, not to explode. Uh, then I say all the stuff about the red alert. Um, I don't know. I mean. After watching this episode, would I have any reason to believe that any of the technology in this was ever going to come back? I would not, so I only gave it a two. If I thought that, you know, it was a big deal that they made a sentient robot or something, that'd be great, but I don't know. But the way they just fucking fly away, yeah, and they don't even... They don't, don't care. Even, they don't even, they're not even sure the exocomps are, sent, are sentient or mm-hmm. alive. They're smart, but are they alive? Eh, no one knows. And yeah. they don't... They don't, like... They don't agree to a protocol on how the Echocomps can be used before they leave or anything. She's no. just like, well, Data, you've given me a lot to think about. At the end, she's not like, I've decided to turn all of my research on Exocomps over to Starfleet. You know, I want to make sure that this is uh, this uh, is fully studied and that we don't make the same mistake twice. And nothing. Nothing at all. They're just like, all right, have, have fun. Bye, Exocomps. I hope your mom's nice. <laughs> gonna be a two for me also um like you said we have particle fountains uh we have sort of emergent intelligences uh starfleet not the federation they say starfleet multiple times wants to do some mining on uh yeah uh, here i wrote kamala three but that's not right it's karima (laughs) three or something yeah i mean that's all right i called this lady dr sail away because i couldn't remember what her name was um a naval captain is responsible for making the official recommendation (laughs) I don't know. It's a two. <laughs> That's that is Starfleet though. Starfleet is crazy. The things that Picard has to um, be responsible for in his job are actually fucking crazy. I mean, you just imagine the captain uh, of an aircraft carrier. Sure. Yeah, Gerald Ford. That's or a bad example. It would should be some kind of cruiser, right? But like, yes. or just maybe a submarine captain. Yeah. The captain of a sub on detached duty, but except in can can make contact. At any time. Yeah, you can call For them. free. With headquarters. <laughs> yeah. Can talk to them in real time. Uh, 
is just empowered to make all these decisions without phoning home. It's so wild. It is weird. It's, he's not even like, I'm collecting the research and I'm going to send it back to Starfleet and then they're going to make the decision. And it's like, no, no, it's my call, man. I decide about mining stuff. You know when they offered me that job to be commandant of the academy? I turned it down. I said, no, and, no, and I get all responsibilities for mining. <laughs> I'm mining czar. In also, Starfleet it comes now. with du- double the salary. <laughs> and I want twice the self-improvement credits. And this guy was so mind He just said, yeah, and he like stuttered a bunch and left because he was scared because I had a crazy look on my face. I didn't even want anything to do with mining. I just couldn't think of a cool demand in the moment. Uh, characterization. Sure. Crusher. Who, yes, says that women wear makeup and paint their nails, and she does both of those things. Yes. But who is also so <laughs> committed to gender norms that she rejects Odan and wears little girl pajamas with and puts a bow in her hair. <laughs> Thinks beards are silly and an affectation, even though they're the default human state. Yeah. I mean, my take on it was that she was in, she was just trolling, that it was pure trolling because she had a killer hand. But she doesn't look at her hand. She only knows what her top two cards are. Oh. Well, she thinks she has a killer hand. She thinks she's got a killer hand. She thinks she has a killer hand. So this is pure trolling because she just really wants them to bet that they're going to she wants him to bet something important to them. And now that Jordy's got a beard, she's like, these fucking idiots. Especially once Dum Dum Riker looks around for three seconds and <laughs> comes up with the least lowest stakes of counter bet. I remember when dyed I was, your hair brown. I remember when I was blasting that fire crotch. I was thinking, this would probably look better if it was brown. So how about that? Yeah, but he doesn't even say to her, and I mean all your hair. <laughs> it's is the look the looks he give. Uh, that he gives maybe that's implies that he's talking maybe. about all of her hair um Worf, on the other hand is afraid of what the other klingons will think if he gets rid of his beard <laughs> that's the look that he gives <laughs> yep he says i have to uh, make data... a subspace call, subspace call with my brother who by the way is now in charge of like fucking five squadrons or something i think he's up to five or six at this point things haven't broken bad for the house of moog again yet if he sees i don't have a beard you think all that stuff about a child's uniform was mean he's gonna come up with some fucking nasty shit to say to me uh data is as preoccupied as ever with the nature of his own existence and the worry that he's alone but he still thinks none of that is an emotion i guess I wonder what I wonder how he would rationalize it if you just asked him straight up. Be like, so isn't that an emotion then? Aren't you isn't this an emotional reaction? This worry you are expressing, isn't that an emotion? Would he just like would he just double down and deny it or would he snap your neck and run away? Like what would be his reaction to that? I'm not I don't know, man. Would you risk it? <laughs> no, nah, probably not. Would you risk triggering no. some kind of secret Omega protocol inside <laughs> his brain if he realizes he does have emotion? No, not after seeing him do the computer stuff again this week where he just says, I'm better at computers. Good luck. I've locked you out and no one even tries to, no one even tries to fucking get around it. Everyone just goes, oh, we're not going to be able to beat him. Um, Picard is committed to the discovery of new life at least as compared to evaluating some new mining technology mm-hmm. and why shouldn't he be yeah 
the stakes for 90% of the episode are right through the basement. Yeah. Um, and Riker's confused and angry as usual. So it's going to be a three for me on characterization. Okay. Uh, why didn't they, uh, you remember that lady who wanted to kill the crystal form because it killed a yeah. little boy. They should have kept her on retainer because she was so fucking good at computers. Even Data looked at what she did and went, I don't even know what I'm fucking looking at. He was actually, he was the Tim Robinson character. He was fucking stunned. He was the Tim Robinson character who actually doesn't know how to drive in that scene. (laughs) Um, Riker, Worf, and Jordy are kind of cavemen about their beards, but Beverly was trolling them pretty hard because she had a good hand, she thought. Um... She still seems to have the advantage over Worf in every conversation. I think because she's the only one who remembers Worf iced that Romulan in her sick bay. In this one, Worf's been on her shit list for years. She's given him hella attitude about her cut on her arm and everything. And then Data walks in and she just looks at Worf and goes, thanks. But with a look <laughs> that says, get out of my sight, you fucking puke, so I can talk to the robot alone. And he uh, just reads it and sorry, goes, Sorry, Pinocchio's okay. here to ask about how he can become a real boy, so fuck off. <laughs> so get the fuck out of here. And he just, like, meekly walks away. This conversation's gonna get a little thinky for you, Worf, so <laughs> time to go. I think she's just been big-dogging him ever since. Also, her remarkable self-assurance leads her to give the bitchiest looks to this uh, doctor lady in the conference room. She doesn't know this lady at all, but she's just going to throw down with her here. She's really feeling herself these days. You know, she's pretty tall. She is tall. You can see it in all the scenes with Data. Yeah. I don't really think of Spiner as short, but I don't think he's tall either. No, he's like an average-sized man, I feel like. Yeah, and when she's in scenes with him, I think she's taller than him, or, or it's very close. She might have slightly longer heels on her little boots, but... I don't feel like she, she's not seven and nine it up there. She's using Kirk's little Cubans. Yeah, she's got the little Cubans for sure. <laughs> was he was he sneaky short? Oh, that's a good question. Because he definitely he had a little bit of height on those. I don't know if that was just a. That's He's what, definitely that's shorter cool than Nimoy. Sixties. Yeah, they've got him. They've got him at five ten. Google does and Nimoy at six even. Okay. All right. He well, man. Uh, all right. So it lists when I, I just searched William Shatner height. The little yeah. info box that popped up because you know Google doesn't want you to click anywhere now. Yeah, it shows uh, he's five foot ten. Leonard Nimoy is six foot zero. Oh, George Takei is five foot eight. And they list one other celebrity. Matthew, would you guess the other celebrity that they've included in this group? John Benjamin. James Spader. <laughs> oh, they were in a show together, weren't they? Did Shad did Shad do Shad a show was with in James Spader? Dumb law show or something, and, and I think Spader was in that. Was Boston, Spader on Boston Legal? Boston Legal, or Legal whatever or the what, fuck. Yeah, something like that. Okay, I forgot Shad did any of that other stuff. Um, um oh, the final final season of The Practice and its oh. spinoff Boston Legal. Okay, yeah, James Spader was is the main character there. I guess that's why. And chat was in that, and I don't remember. I never, I never watched it, so I don't know what what he has to do with Boston. Anyway, um, uh, let's see. Worf takes off his uh, Miss Minsk sash to play poker. He, 
he he wasn't it. wearing it. You're right. Yeah, I guess when he sits down and play poker, he don't need that thing weighing down on him. Uh, I wonder if it was. I don't know. I was gonna say it wasn't in the middle of the table because they it was they emptied up. There was no pot. <laughs> that would have been I would pretty have loved good. The idea that if if it had been just folded up next to Beverly Crusher's chips, <laughs> she'd won it earlier because she owns Wharf now. Uh, Jordy's really crapping all over this lady's work, huh? Not even being subtle. He, no, he, he's essentially, we, it's un it's unmotivated as far as we're concerned. He scoffs at her when she says it's the future of like mining technology. Like, what do you even care, Jordy? Jordy, are you a miner? What's happening? Why do you give a shit? Him and him and Picard. What is going on with the mining? Uh, Data gets all worked up, big shock about being alone in the universe, and goes on a quest to prove the exocomps are hella alive. And maybe he's right, so good for him. But then he goes rogue again, and I can't believe he's allowed to continue doing this shit. <laughs> it is that pretty th- wild. That not only is he allowed to, but they always give him an attaboy at the end. It's like, it was good that you did that, Data. Real good. <sighs> yeah, the fucking best case scenario is that one of these wasn't quite his fault like in Brothers. But every other... Yeah, but it was still bad. That little kid almost beefed it. He does get a big attaboy in fucking clues. Yeah, even though he even, didn't do even a good job. 40, 40 or 50% of that episode is, why is Data lying? Why is Data lying? He's so bad at lying. Uh, Data, why don't you go down to engineering? We're going to have a little chat while you're gone. Okay, what the fuck was that? And Jordy just goes like this. <laughs> sets his hands in the air. No one could fucking believe the crazy lies he just told about uh, Dr. Pell Underhill or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, whatever bullshit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's four for me. Uh, quick, quick ones. Yeah. Um, and then I said here, is the beard stuff out of order, or did they give us a weird beard tease last week for some reason? Oh, uh, you the you want the real answer? Episode yeah. came in short. They just filmed that That's to so make up time. Stupid. How does the episode come in short? Directed by Jonathan Frakes. Like, how do you do that? How does it come in short? Yeah. I wish some of those. I don't know. I guess it was cheaper to do do another another poker scene than to put forty more seconds of exocomps whizzing around. I just you know I said that, but then I remembered all those TOSs that clearly came in short. (laughs) And they're just like, I don't know, they break out of jail three more times, and you're like, fucking goddamn it! I fell asleep for twenty minutes. I don't think I missed anything. Um. Wait, did, maybe when I was asleep, they explained why Spock's telepathic powers work through the jail wall now. <laughs> they go back. Nah, they didn't explain nah, nothing. They didn't, they didn't explain any of that. He's just Vulcanian. Um, I always feel bad for the guest actors. There's so much techno babble. They won't oh, yeah. even understand the non-techno babble aspects of the script. Can you just make it a little bit easy on them? But instead, this lady's just right off the bat, just fucking barking out technical specs with Jordy. You're like, oh, fuck. I hope this wasn't her first scene. Uh, Yo, who the fuck is this Jarvis at the transporter? I don't need to know his name. He's not going to yuck it up with a senior staff like O'Brien. So who gives a shit? And who the fuck is Kelso? They gave us two named transporter chiefs in this episode. That's fucking unless the guy's name is Jarvis Kelso. I technically didn't look to see if it was the same guy. I don't fucking uh, care. I'm gonna write that down for my ship name. <laughs> Jarvis Kelso. 
I couldn't believe that. Why do they give him so many fucking names? Um, yeah, that's all the stuff about that grad student. Uh, this first exocomp, the one that Data gets all worked up about, is a real peanut hamper. Absolutely <laughs> refused to risk its life for these dummies. Just like Peanut Hamper. Yeah. That was good writing in Lower Decks. The best Star Trek show. Um, Data always says, curious. He has not learned from humans and never goes, the fuck? Yeah, he never just goes, huh. <laughs> He's not. He just hasn't learned all the affectations yet. No. Uh, normally LeVar Burton can carry a scene, but this one with the lady in 10 forward climbing trees yep, fell. Didn't work for me. So Felt like he was hitting on her. Flat. It did, and the dialogue was so try-hard. She's, she's like, yeah, I bet you fell a few times, and she, or I bet you never fell, and she's like, oh, I fell a few times, and I just made sure it didn't stop me from climbing back up that tree, and you're just like, what the <laughs> fuck's happening? This isn't a conversation people have. It was so bantery. It, it was really terrible. was. I, I but then they the didn't time. screw, so. No. What? No, it wasn't like, uh, I know I was crapping all over your mining equipment earlier, but it's only because we've got a uh, sexual chemistry. There's a heat between us. No, it was not that at all. It was fucking worthless. Hey, the writers of this episode didn't do a good job. No. No, it, uh, it scored a lot more points than last week. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know. It's not a fistful That doesn't mean it was good. It's uh, it's better than it, a fistful uh, of It actually data. scored more points than the previous two weeks combined, but that <laughs> was Rascals been, and Fistful of Data, so. They've been on a, a very bad run lately. This is their best episode since uh, Relics, so good for them. Yeah. <clears throat> um, What about you, Quick Hitters? Once again, I ask, why do people start a game of poker knowing they are mere minutes from being called to duty? It's bad time. It's so. It's so. It's like. Um, it's like if we had game night at uh, at nine thirty my time, and I like. I was like, all right, so we're logging on to play pirates at like nine, right? And then I was like, oh, I can't start till nine fifteen. And then we hopped on. And then at nine thirty, it was like, got game a reminder night. about game night. I was like, ah, oh, shit, fucking game nights tonight. Ah, oh, goddamn it. <laughs> Every time with these fuckers. Um, I mean, we don't know. They don't all have the same number of chips. I fucking rewound and looked because I was like, is this the first hand of the game? Because it had first hand of the game energy. No, for sure. Uh, but no, but it didn't look like it was wrapping up either. So I guess they just fucking lost track of time, huh? Mm, I guess. Again. Well, I don't see a fucking just clock in that place. It's like the ability to ask the computer what time it is means that they <laughs> no one feels the need to display the time anywhere, anytime. My dude, we saw a clock... Well, uh, like four clock. weeks ago in schisms. Wait, there was a real clock? There's a clock. Riker gets up and he goes and washes <laughs> his face in the water drawer in his bathroom. Uh-huh. Then he fucking taps the wall and there's a great big digital clock that oh, comes really? up and tells him it's 10.06 a.m. Fucking missed that And that's entirely. when he rushes down to engineering late. Oh, okay. Well, there you go then. So they got clocks. That's good. They got clocks. It didn't seem to be always on, though. Like, he still had yeah, to tap to turn it. it on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They are all capable of finding the time in so many different ways that they no longer need to display it. Does Beverly Crusher have stock in Gillette? She says, after the razor was invented, beards became a fashion statement. 
I know it's weird that like, he uh, said mankind has finally achieved Mach three. Yeah, it was a weird thing to say. It was weird that she said it's that, the twenty fourth century, nineteen ninety two. It was pretty pretty <laughs> impressive, I guess. <laughs> it was so great when <laughs> when those commercials came on. We must not have been old. The Mach three is an old racer, but when those commercials came yeah, on and said mankind has finally achieved Mach three, and then we were like, the year is nineteen fifty nine. It's just it was a very dumb thing to say in that ad. <laughs> Mach 3 is pretty oh. fast, right? Ours is called the Mach 3. I don't even think you can go that fast in real life. Put that in the commercial. <laughs> don't you dare look it up. You got respect uh, for my anyway, ideas. You, you can't use Beverly Crusher's logic out in the real world. You can't be like, I don't know, I just feel like, you know, after the butt plug was invented, <laughs> not having one in your butt was an affectation. <laughs> Right. It was invented. Everyone, Why aren't you using it? Everyone walking around without a butt plug. You guys are fucking posers. And I fucking see you. A bunch of you. posers. I see you. Uh, we get another mild shot taken at scientific ethics by these TV writers who apparently hate scientists. Hate scientists and also hate the written word. Yeah. Who knew? But... I will say this. If you're Jordy and you hear one of these chuds, scientific chud of the week, trying to fast track a project, how do you keep a straight face? (laughs) How are you not like, listen, I know you don't know this about me, but by every three weeks this happens. Yeah. And someone's like, we're just taking a shortcut. Always goes super good. Generally, Generally goes real well. Rocks don't shoot out of anything most of the time. Yeah, you're going to lose any grad students this week. It's all going to be great. I'll do anything to make sure this project succeeds. Up to and including RoboCide, even if they're wearing big baby shoes. <laughs> they must not. Ha- had they already been used as 19 props, or is it only after this episode they're used as 19 props? Because they start to just show up in the background in every like lab scene, like upside down and sideways and shit. No, I think they built them for this, but uh, as always, I'm sure there is a whole ex Astra Scientia article that yeah. credits uh, Yerk. Yeah, and it's heavily. Like, uh, uh, we need some lab stuff, and they're like, I don't know what the fuck is this fucking thing, and they're like, well, I don't know, man, it looks stupid though. And they're like, well, I'll just put it in the fucking lab. And it's like every That's single like some time. kind of fancy science barrel. <laughs> it's one of them big science. It's a science pod. They're pretty common in laboratories. <laughs> Um, I just don't believe that Data would devise an experimental protocol that involved calling the Exocomp back early rather than letting it finish up for a few minutes, analyzing its sensor logs, inspecting the work it did in the Jeffries tubes, <laughs> watching it perform that work, etc. Like, this quick experiment is something Jordy might have set up because he was in a hurry, but it probably would have taken Data less than 30 seconds to be thorough. Yeah. On setting up this experimental protocol, but we need him to be dumb early so we can step in and get in the way late, I guess. Yeah. He read the script, basically. It happens a lot on Star Trek. They always got one laying around. So this never comes up at all, but the Federation is very aware that artificial intelligence is possible. Yeah. Kirk himself ran into 18 (laughs) kinds of sentient machines, even if you don't count, like... Oh, in this series, data and lore, right? Yeah. There should be long-held, well-established protocols for determining if an artificial intelligence has true sapience. 
Dude, he... Um, we never see that. He ran into Ruck like fucking five episodes in. Yes. Now, he was very distracted. Yeah, uh, I mean, everyone the, was. <laughs> by that woman's revealing jumpsuit and also by his racial hatred of Spock. <laughs> yeah, that, that part did not slip past me, but lots of things in that episode did, and we all know why. I remember when we talked about it, I had not even noticed several things that you pointed out. I was like, oh, that happened in this episode? Fuck, I don't remember that. I just remember that side boob. Um, But it's just like, they got to reinvent the wheel every time this happens. Data has to go talk to a medical doctor about it. You know, like, who loves cybernetics, but he doesn't ask her about that part, but she loves cybernetics. They don't have a fucking playbook to determine if a machine is alive after Landru, Rock, uh, any of them, uh, man. There's Harry Muds, Harry Muds, androids that it turned out he didn't build, but when yeah. were intelligent. How about Nomad, dude? Uh, any of Nomad. them? Nomad, all of them. Yeah. Viger. All right, so Nomad didn't know what a woman was, but like, <laughs> you know, he he was intelligent. He had sentience or whatever. Yes, exactly. He made lots of crazy decisions in that episode based on, uh, I don't know, how he felt about music and shit. Yeah. And then, you know, depending on how you feel about Discovery, there's a lot more stuff about sentient artificial intelligence in Discovery, too. But, yeah, like, lots of precedent, that it's just, but no, it's just got to be new every time. Yeah. I'm I mean, sure it'll be new again in Emergence when it comes man, up. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they ran into some sentient robots in fucking Enterprise. They in Enterprise's whole deal was we saw it first, so I bet they ran into some. Yeah, I don't remember any, but it could be. I, I, at this point, I don't remember a lot about Enterprise. That's actually, that's uh, the preferred state of being, for sure. Not remembering Enterprise. Do you remember when Hoshi had to stay in the castle with the Beast from Beauty and the Beast? Yes, and then she wore her most delicate nighties. Yeah. But at least you didn't have to use a hand bra on that one. This dude was like, I'll give you information to cross the expanse or whatever the fuck if Hoshi spends a night in my castle. And she and was like, was, yeah, I'll do it. And was like, you probably shouldn't do that. We won't ask you to do that. And she's like, no, I'll do it for you guys. For the, for the, I'll do it for Travis. And I was like, that doesn't even make sense. You what are you talking talk about? To Travis. How does that help Travis? <laughs> she's like, I'll do it for Travis, I said. Uh, Every yeah, five episodes, there's someone's going to mention that maybe I have a thing for Travis, but we will never get into it. <laughs> Remember when they made her play basketball without a bra? What was happening on that show? It was a very, it was very sad. It was very sad the things that they did on that show <laughs> to Jolene Blaylock and all of them. The actress who played Hoshi Sato, whose name I have forgotten. I always say it's uh, Grace Park, but I don't remember. I think was it Linda Park? It might be Linda Park. <laughs> Linda Park. You know, Korean-American names. And then I was trying to think of a third character. Maybe there was a Mako. But then uh, then I realized I was just thinking of Dodger from Babylon 5. So. <laughs> that sucked, too. Yeah, that wasn't you know. so good. <laughs> That's one of the uh, few things where you say something from Babylon 5, and I go, oh, yeah, that wasn't so good. That wasn't so good. I've even come around on linear builds a motorcycle. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Well, it was Garibaldi's dumb hobby. Linear builds a motorcycle, and I'm poking Marshall, going, "You're gonna want to see this. This is gonna gonna be. This is gonna pay off. It's gonna go so fast. It's gonna pay off real. But you better be paying attention now." (laughs) 
I must have this been the important. worst. In my memory, this is important. I should apologize to her. After the pod, I'm going to go apologize. Because I think in those moments, I was probably the worst husband that there's ever been. I see. Watching Babylon yeah, 5 maybe. with her. Just every few minutes, just looking over and going, you better be paying attention. Are you seeing this? this Do you is... see who that is? Hey, in season four, this is going to come up again. Do you see who that is? She's like, just yeah. Constantly, sh- just constantly throughout all of season one, every time there's sort of anything that could be taken as a hint about what happens to Sinclair, you're just constantly looking over like, huh? Huh? This, uh, uh, this will pay off someday. <laughs> yeah, kind of a long time from now, actually. Yeah, I'm the worst. I'm fucking Larry Appleton. <laughs> it's okay, man. Uh, Data is perfectly willing to just fly away and never think about the exocomps again. Just because Farallon says he gave her a lot to think about. Yeah. And then I just wanted to say this episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes, who at this point is not afraid to direct himself, clearly. Nah, he's in it. You know. He's in it. He's they having he's conversations he, with Data and all that. Yeah, has to tell Data, Jordy and Picard are his friends over there. Yeah. I give Best Actor to Worf being sold out on the beard bet by Jordy. Yeah. He does a good face acting there. He does a good... Uh, I didn't say... I should have said no, and I didn't say no fast enough, and now it's too late to say no. Uh, well, these are all his superiors here. Mm-hmm. Every one of these people outranks him. Gotta roll with it. And then he'll... You know what? He'll just tell Morn every time... Morn. He'll just tell Kern every time... You know his brother Morn. He'll just tell Kern every time that they gotta talk that uh, the screen's all fuzzy. So they're just gonna... He's gonna save bandwidth. He's gonna do audio call only on this one. Yeah. I give worst actor to Crusher accidentally revealing a bet she doesn't care about at all, dyeing her hair. <laughs> the way the way Riker says, "I always want to see his brunette," and she says, "Oh no, I did that once. I couldn't change it back fast enough." And goes, really? <laughs> and then she's like, "You idiot! <laughs> this is why I always beat you at poker." That's right. Ah, yeah. uh, all right. Well, we did a hot hour on that. <laughs> we fucking absolutely did that extremely average episode uh yeah scored 23 points on the rubric all right below average fine yeah second place last week was voyager voyager's been riding on the uh bad tng episodes for a couple of weeks now but they're gonna have to fight this one because 23 is above their average 23 is a big score for voyager we'll see if they can handle it uh this week we watched collective Okay. <clears throat> I don't say, for a minute I was worried that I was supposed to describe it. <laughs> I have uh I don't remember this episode at all. Let's see if I can figure it out from reading this. Neelix, TP, Harry, and Chaco are playing cards in a shuttle. Isn't this the hallucination crew? This is the hallucination crew. I can't believe they let all these guys get together again for another away mission. Yeah, they've been hanging out together a lot since it's they Because uh, of the war? Know, because of the war. Yeah. Because of Nam or whatever. Because of everything <laughs> fucking Savdra did, you know? They gotta... yeah. Oh, I remember that. I have I no remember. idea if that's the right name. <laughs> that happened. Anyway, Harry Kim says he isn't buying the innocent Chinese routine and calls Neelix's <laughs> bluff. Will this matter? They see a Borg ship and everyone jumps into action. No perimeter alerts or sensor chimes or nothing from this shuttle, so I'm guessing they didn't set it up properly. Credits. 
Oh, okay, never mind. The, the Borg used a dispersal field to mask their approach. Anyway, oh, this week takes, uh, it takes hella long for a Borg cube to wipe out a shuttle. Uh, we'll figure out why later, I think. First of all, it's the Delta Flyer. How dare you? Yeah. The sh- uh, did you not see when that wrecked the whole shop <laughs> against those Tsunkatsu people last week? <laughs> it did, didn't it? When the and Delta Hamill, Flyer man. fucking shot in and finished the job? Yeah, when Janeway wasn't in the episode showed up to save the day. It was so fucking weird. Uh, the shuttle fires photon torpedoes and shit and disables the Borg's engines. So that lets you know something's up with these Borgs. But they get tractor beamed and Harry Kim gets injured and they're pulled into the cube. Neelix wakes from a dream of a Borged up Chaco. Will this matter? He's with Chaco and TP, but uh, they're fine. Uh, Harry's missing, though. TP can't play it cool. He wants to, like, bust out of there or whatever, but luckily uh, playing it cool is Chaco's whole fucking bag, and he's there, so he calms everyone down. <clears throat> Voyager finds the cube, and Seven says it's odd that they haven't repaired their damage yet. They attack Voyager, and Voyager gets pretty messed up. Oh, never mind. No, they attack Voyager, and they do a bad job, and they have their own weapons disabled. And then Janeway talks tough with the Borg, who give in hella fast. Yeah. I'm kind of remembering this now. Uh, Seven beams over to check on the away team while Janeway negotiates their release. And uh, Seven bumps into a bunch of Borg kids. Fuck me. These kids are like, we're grown now. We're cool adults, and we smoke. Um... We smoke and drink, and you don't want a piece of this. And I sag my pants, and this one over here is done kissing. <laughs> the angriest of the kids kind of takes charge, and Seven goes to check on the away team. Um, after she says hi, it becomes clear the Borg didn't nab Harry and don't know he exists. Um, Seven takes her leave and also takes a dead drone and data node to find out why all the other drones beefed it. <clears throat> they find out it's a pathogen that affects, like, cybernetic beings or something. Tuvok suggests using it against the Borg drones, which Schmalis doesn't like. Um, Harry eventually wakes up in that uh, in the Delta Flyer, and he receives one of them sneaky signals from Voyager that the Borg can't detect, and he uh, gets to work modifying his own signal so he can respond. Janeway goes to see the kids, the Borg kids, and, like... I guess be their governess or something. <laughs> she probably is thinking about that. If they have a hot dad. Definitely. Yeah, if there's a hot dad hanging around there. If there's like a real Colin Firth type out there. Someone who can really wear a sweater. Yeah, but this one kid just sucks so much ass. Just shouty as hell. And he like snatches her up. Anyway, she manages to convince him not to uh, take their main deflector dish, which is what they need it to, I guess, call the Borg to come save them. <laughs> Yeah, um, because that's what happened in First Contact. Right, exactly. That's all thing. People must have loved that fucking movie because the answer to so many things in Voyager and somewhat in Deep Space Nine as well is because it happened in First Contact. I mean, compared to the movie Generations, people really did love First Contact. <laughs> I mean, Generations was pretty much nothing. Even um, though, when you think about Generations, you don't have to remember when a dude puts on magic carpet ride and they listen to magic carpet ride. (laughs) No, that's true. But unfortunately you do have to remember, I know exactly where I want to go. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) On the mountaintop with Zoran. Huh? Um, 
uh, anyway, so they need that deflector dish. But anyway, um, she she convinces them not to take that, but to have Seven repair the Borg ship instead. And uh, he gives them two hours or the hostages die. Harry makes contact with Voyager. It just keeps popping back and forth between Harry and the others. Um, one of the drones is like a nice kid. And he's the oldest, but this other kid is a real puke and just made himself boss. But this nice older kid, he's like reasonable and tries to be friendly and chat and stuff and seven fixes his weird computer voice and he's like you're my mom now my mom was also blonde yes and he points out that and then he says well, the book's not about that <laughs> it's not about that uh and he points out that um that other kid the mean kid lied to him and said his voice couldn't be repaired until they rejoined the collective so you know it's going to be a Kirk plan, right? They're going to turn these these kids against each other. Except it seems like an accident if Seven does it. Kirk would have smiled basically right at the camera. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Seven also figures out that uh, they did call for help, but the Borg were like, we're good. We talked to that angry kid and he sucks and we're not coming. You guys do you. We're unplugging you from the collective now. <laughs> you are now removed. All right. You're not in the system. Uh, she doesn't tell the kids that. She only tells Janeway. And they talk about how they can convince these kids to come on board Voyager instead. And Seven says the only reason she was able to become a real human at all. All right. I hope you're listening. Is because she had so much of that great Borg order inside of her. In her yeah, soul. It's baffling. It's a baffling thing that she says here. And these kids don't have that, so, like, they can't become people again, even though it's clear they're already, like, 88% of the way back to individuality already. Yeah. This episode is called Collective. Um, this is gonna, the main, it's gonna be the main thesis of all, everything I have to say about it. These <laughs> children in no way constitute a collective. Nope, not even a little. Uh, Seven, indeed, uh, tries to convince the kids to come with her, and then the, the maturation chamber with a little Borg baby fails. And Seven tries to save the baby, and all the kids, I think, are moved by this. <clears throat> Harry, well, they don't have to see the creepy CG, but they do have to see the creepy puppet, so. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Kim goes on a commando raid to blast the shields out of this holding cell and save the away team, but he gets caught by the little Borg girl. Yeah, because that's what's creepiest. Yeah, yeah, she uh, you know, she cocks her head to one side, whatever. Um, Schmollis saved the baby, but he does a thing where he makes Janeway hold the Borg baby, and at exactly that point shows her the pathogen he's prepared. So, like... You get it. We all get what the stakes are of this bio-warfare idea. Uh, then the kids show Seven uh, half-assimilated Harry Kim. The mean kid calls Janeway and demands the deflector again. He's back on that now. And he's he going to try to take it by force. And this is when Seven reveals to the kids that the Borg aren't coming. They, uh, they, pa- they passed. Um, Tuvok gives Janeway a chance to use the pathogen, but she holds off, probably because she remembers that baby, and tries a feedback pulse instead. You know, Star Trek stuff. Seven mm-hmm. continues to try uh, through to... Through the deflector, right? They use the deflector to send a <laughs> feedback pulse up yep. the tractor beam. It's Actually, it's kind of taunting a little bit. We're going to stop That's you with this deflector dish. She should have said, shouldn't fuck with the deflector. <laughs> now you're going to find out. Uh, Seven continues to try to convince them on her end that this shit is over and they need to come to Voyager. 
Tuvok manages to beam back the three away team members in the cell, but not Seven or Harry. So, like, stakes aren't over yet. Then the older one and the mean one getting a little spat. And these little fucking Borg panels shoot lightning just like the old Alpha Quadrant models. And one of them <laughs> zaps the mean kid. And he beefs it. Yeah, he's dead. He's not even like an adult. They made a kid die in this. Yeah. And uh, Seven convinces... He sucks, though. He sucks the whole time, which is, I guess, how why we're supposed to be totally okay with that kid beefing it. Um, Seven convinces the others to come with her, so now we've got hella Borgs on board. And most of them are kids and shit. So it's gonna be great. Janeway asks Seven to be their new mom, and suddenly these kids are largely implant-free and wearing fucking Marissa 99 and shit. One of them is wearing Isabella's dress from... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> which we called from imaginary friend, which was a, a variation of the Marissa for sure. Um, yeah. They don't want to go to bed. And now they have names and shit and they all sleep in the cargo bay with seven. Now that's it. She already man. had no privacy. Now she has l- five roommates. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone walks in there whenever they want, even just to say mean things. I guess to just her. for the baby isn't living there. Is it? We never hear anything about the baby. Um, uh, everyone just walks in there whenever they want, even just to say mean things to her. Sometimes yep. they walk in just to be shitty and then they leave. She has no privacy at all. But yeah, now she's got four kids to deal with in there. And, and by the way, two of those I think are twins. Yes. They didn't break them up. They, they really wanted to be creepy, right? The Borg were like, they this the, is the ultimate collective. They've got the power struggle kids. Then they've got the twins and the creepy girl. Mm-hmm. And the Uncanny Valley baby. Anyway, that's it, man. That's this episode. What Are you interpreting it? all the symbols? No. Searching your subconscious for their well, meaning? No. What about you? Um, this was a tough one for me. <laughs> I got to the end of this and said, huh. Yeah. Here's where I landed. Okay. You have to walk before you can run? Mm. These kids are trying so hard to be the Borg. Yeah. They're trying to assimilate people, steal technology. They keep saying adapt, 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 but that's the one thing they don't do. Sure. <sighs> they don't really learn that lesson, though, in the end. They just kind of get beaten in a fight and have to surrender. So it's pretty thin, but like... Yeah, but it's like street racing rules. It's like they got beaten and now um, they got a new mom. Isn't that yeah. how it works in street racing? I think that is how it works in street racing. Anyway, that's the area I think this episode is sort of working in. Nothing to do with collectives, by the way. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Well, at least it wasn't just named one of the kids' names or something. I gave it a three. Okay. I didn't think they had anything clear to say. Uh, I agreed it was three. I said, kids think they're the shit, but, like, they don't know nothing. That's why they're kids. I think that's it, man. Tuvok said it himself. These fuckers are contemptuous of authority. Who the fuck cares? What is this, TOS? Why is this happening again? If you're not going to show me a little blonde kid (laughs) spitting right in William Shatner's face, just absolutely blasting a loogie in his face. (laughs) I love to imagine that before that they were like, all right, which one of you kids spits the best? (laughs) They had a spitting contest. uh, She was like, "Uh, me, sir. I'm a Howard. So... (laughs) Uh, we all spit. We all spit real good. 
loogie man oh so good i loved it just blasts him with a loogie yeah well he'd been abusing those kids on set the whole fucking time with his shat acting where he just grabs them up and throws (laughs) them around those kids were going fucking horizontal he was tossing them uh execution again it's very TOS, but without a winking Kirk to tell everyone at home that he's going to trick these kids and probably throw one across the room. No winking Kirk and no, like, ironic musical stings to let you <laughs> no. know that it's happening. No, no precocious flutes or anything going on yeah. that make you go, oh, I get what's happening. Or like a kind of a seesaw violin line that's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe a one-liner from McCoy. Yeah, that was- that show really did not take itself very seriously sometimes. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, that show scored 30 points on average. And, oh, yeah. Um, Deep Space Nine and TNG are falling desperately towards it. Look, man, TOS kind of dominated season one. And then yeah. we all know it fell off hard. <laughs> um, it would have been more trekky to convince that mean kid he's just scared or whatever and have him join up too and maybe he'd He'd be like, you know, how Janeway has to deal with Seven. She'd have to, like, deal with that guy. And that'd be, like, a dynamic or whatever. And she'd learn to understand what Janeway was going uh-huh. through or something. But Yeah, nah, a better show definitely would have had nah, that. He'd just of, lightning him to death. <laughs> instead of finally the power struggle between the two teenage boys comes to a head. And then the kid gets killed by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Those panels, man. They claimed another soul. They did. Uh, but anyway, I definitely don't want more Borg kids on the show, and he was very annoying, so it was kind of nice to see him bite it. Um, will we ever see this Borg baby again? Who the fuck knows? I just know that watching Seven, the Borg mom, is not an exciting idea to me. Is the Wildman baby being retired now? I don't know. It wasn't much to me, just a three. Big mistake, she's like the third best actor on the show. Yeah. Um... I mean, it was a three for me also. A lot of frustrating elements in this episode. Hmm. Um, the biggest one for me is that these kids don't, don't aren't a collective, right? And I, by that, I don't mean they're not... It's not that they're just bad at being Borgs. Yeah. It's not that they're bad at flying the ship or because they don't know how to assimilate people. They aren't mentally linked. They talk to each other. Yeah. Uh, the f- first... The mean kid has to catch second having an unauthorized conversation with Seven of Nine, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he has to eavesdrop. These kids are not in each other's minds, and it's not... Somehow no one in the show notices. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I thought you guys... Shouldn't you guys be linked? Like, we've seen... Even when you break away from the big collective... You You can can form, like, a little subnet or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There was a whole episode where I did some despicable things. <laughs> yeah, I was not because proud I was of it scared. After. This is a lesson I could teach you. After I pretended, after I stopped pretending, I couldn't remember it. I was not proud of it. <laughs> she definitely fucking remembered that shit. Um. Then there's a lot of negotiation business in this episode when no n- negotiation is possible. Like, <clears throat> there's no way that a network TV show was ever going to have five children returning to their lives as Borg drones at the end. (laughs) So, you know, they're not just going to reach an agreement and someone's going to fix the ship and off they go. Right. Yeah. 
And see, if you don't believe in the negotiation, then um, Harry's little haunted house jaunt doesn't matter because the consequences of it are a breakdown in negotiations. Right. The space pathogen bioweapon feels like a watered-down version of the impossible shape discussion from iBorg. It is. It's only in the episode for 10 seconds. Yeah. Tuvok brings and, it up, and then she's like, make it. And Shmala's like, I don't want to, but, you know, I will. But I will. <laughs> I'm not data over here. Yeah. There's just nothing much surprising about this episode, good or bad. Like, there are plenty of worse ones in Voyager's oh, yeah. canon. And, but surprisingly, there are also plenty of better ones. Yeah. So, um, I, it was a three for me. Okay. Uh, world building. We learn a lot about what happens to assimilated children. But unfortunately, none of it makes much sense. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't a 16-year-old know the decryption protocols? Sure. Do, is, do they not do the knowledge transfer until and unless the normal maturation process ends? Yeah, but I then, why do they know anything about the Borg? Like, adults can be fully assimilated in minutes. It should be a very quick process. Either they should know everything the Borg know, or they should just be children who've been physically altered if they haven't done that yet. Yeah. Why do they have partial Borg outfits? Uh, Do you get your right pant leg on your ninth (laughs) birthday and your left pant leg on your tenth birthday? It is very stupid. They're all in... They're all half-dressed. Yeah. To explain that they are only half-Borg or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a metaphor. Yeah. (laughs) But it doesn't make any sense in-universe. The thing that made the most sense in this episode was the Borg Collective saying, Now we're good. But then, (laughs) why didn't the ship self-destruct or whatever? No, they just left out. They don't give a fuck, man. I don't know, man. I guess there's a virus that attacks the Borg, and that's what I'm counting for world-building points here. So I did give it one. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Uh... Tuvok easily finds Neelix's signal on the cube. Maybe Talaxians are hella weird on the instruments and easy to spot. I just look for a guy wearing two jackets at the same time. <laughs> it was either Neelix or Triple H, so. <laughs> oh god, what if it's Triple H? Don't beam him back! <laughs> uh, all the stuff they say about Borg maturation, the pathogen that kills cyborgs, Extremely targeted tractor beams that you can use to yank a piece out of a ship, I guess. Um, No deal at all is made in this episode about removing the kids' implants or adapting their chambers. So I guess that's pretty old hat now to Shmalis and and company. And this baby must be okay, too. Um, So if only they didn't have to work so hard to get these drones to come along. I think they're really good at reclaiming them once they, like, get some buy-in. Yeah, they could they could turn a lot of Borgs back into people, but it seems like you got to do a lot of convincing up front. Uh, I gave it as much as a two. All right. Uh, what about character work? Seven. Sure, they did some good good character work this week, huh? Yeah, like this. How about this one? Ready for this? Seven relies on her Borg indoctrination just to get by, man. Now, if I'm Janeway, that is extremely. I don't disturbing. like hearing that. That's yeah, disturbing. I don't like hearing this news. But she seems cool with it. Uh, Seven is the mom now. She's the Borg mom. Um, 
Harry Kim is scared of haunted houses. That's fucking nothing. Um, Janeway resists her powerful urge to kill and doesn't gas these fuckers. So that's growth. Tuvok is every Vulcan just shouting kill for logic at every opportunity. I love this decision. I love that in every one of these writers' rooms, there's somebody who's saying the logical thing would be to kill him. <laughs> As if logic is the only value that Vulcans have. Yeah, well, they're basically Star Wars aliens for sure. Schmollis doesn't want to make a pathogen, but he does. He doesn't like shut himself down to prevent its creation or anything. He just says, nope. but I don't want to. And then he just, just scowls it. about it and then dramatically hands it to her when she's holding a baby. Yeah, it's very... Um, I feel like uh, Beverly would have just said no. Oh, for sure. Are you so kidding gonna, me? No, I'm not gonna. What side was she on in the Im- imaginary shape debate? She uh, had she to be was, on the no side, yeah? She was on the side of... She was on Team Hugh? Certainly there's been no dec- formal declaration, and everyone That's in the room right. didn't fucking kick her out of the meeting, which is insane still. That you can say something like that and not get booted from the meeting. As if that wouldn't If it matter. was a meeting on Zoom, the organizer could have muted her at that point. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask everyone to not... Uh, I'm going to mute everyone, and then I'll just... Un- you can raise your hand, and I'll unmute you from now on. Um, Just a four for me. <clears throat> and that's only because uh, Janeway resists her powerful urge to kill. I mean, I had it even one lower. I have it as a three. Um... Seven has come all the way around on her nonsense and now thinks what the Borg did to her mind made it easier for her to become an individual. That, that is uh, really working yourself into a big old pretzel to praise the Borg. <laughs> every time I mention her now, I feel like I have to say this ship needs a therapist. Yeah. Uh, Instead of a doctor who doesn't want to be a doctor? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, Janeway needs to barter on one of these stops for a fucking mm-hmm. psychologist. That'd be nice. Also, despite Seven's only friend being Naomi Wildman, she's real unsure about having these kids tag along at the end. But she does know how to drive a wedge in a group of vulnerable teens, so good for her, I guess. (laughs) It'll be good if she ever has to go to middle school. (laughs) Uh, Oh, boy. Uh, I got news for you. There's a season seven episode that's basically just uh, Billy Madison, so you're going to enjoy that. (laughs) Oh, I'm... Honestly, I'm kind of looking forward to it. <laughs> Does someone pee their pants? If that were a real episode, that would be a good episode. If they were like, actually, Seven, in order to be a Starfleet officer, you have to get you your have GED. To to <laughs> yeah, you, you have to go through all these other grades, though, first. <laughs> we're going to put you in a holographic simulation of a kindergarten. And then she's going to have to draw and cur- write in cursive at some point. It's going to be very embarrassing for her. Yeah. Uh, Harry Kim's afraid of haunted houses. Neelix might be trying to be a hustler. Probably a callback to his old trash panda days. Yeah. Trying to hustle poker. Um, Janeway will use a bioweapon. And Tuvok has to use a bioweapon. <laughs> or else he can't pawn far. That's right. That's how it works. And you don't want a uh, stifled pawn far. I mean, we saw with Vorik. It's not good. How that can go. <clears throat> You just gotta get the full experience. Um, this isn't one of the big character episodes, as far as I'm concerned. I, like I said, it's a three for me. Sure. Uh, quick ones then. 
did they replicate this poker set in the Delta Flyer, or did one of them bring it along? <laughs> like, did they figure, hey, we're going to have a lot of time sitting in this fucking shuttle. We should play poker. We should play poker and talk about the war. Is someone paying replicator rations, or are shuttles on their own system? Does anything you replicate in a shuttle not count? That's another question I have. Uh, unknowable. Boy, it's a good thing no one ever said Tom Paris was good under pressure, huh? He really does not handle being in the assimilation chamber remotely well. No, um, no one's ever said anything good about him, and yet they haven't spaced him or anything. So, I mean, someone lied and said he was a real good pilot, and then Janeway was like, all right, I guess I'll go to New Zealand. I guess I can't find a good pilot in Starfleet. I'm going to have to go break out a convict. Uh, I guess no one told her uh, the man you want is Will Riker. Yeah, I mean, she should have asked Jordy about it for sure. They encounter a Borg ship, and she just immediately sends Seven of Nine over. No discussion at all about how that could affect her or how she feels about it. She's just Janeway's little Borg weapon. Yeah, it's the way uh, Picard treats Worf every time there's a clinging around. Then I said, this is a pretty big ask for child actors. <laughs> you put on all this junk and then... Uh, put on all this shit and then stomp like around and be robot, weird. Yeah. But, like, the whole point is that you guys aren't good at it. Is this making yeah. sense to you? You're 10. You should get this. I when Chicote says, if we were to go buy the book, say hi to Harry. Yeah, well, they're just dumb kids. Everyone everyone seems to recognize on the fucking site that these are just dumb kids. Yep. Despite the fact that they are in jail, that the kids got them in jail, they're still just yeah. like, ah, oh, these are a bunch of fucking dummies. Um, No shit, Janeway signs off on creating a biological weapon. <laughs> but if you give her a Borg baby... <laughs> Then maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I'll just skip right there to my notes. I laughed out loud when Schmalz <laughs> handed her a baby and then held up the pathogen. But someone definitely was like, this is going to be a powerful image. <laughs> We're doing big TV with this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this definitely felt like an important moment for sure. Uh, I thought Seven was going to say she was literally prepared to become an individual again by the Borg Queen. Like in the episode, the Borg Queen is different now. Uh huh. But no, she just finished growing up, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I guess I'm glad they didn't glue a bunch of shit to an actual baby, but what they did in this episode was not convincing. No. Why did it vibrate like that? I didn't like it. It was hard to <laughs> It's look not at. good. Um,. Do you think people will finally fucking knock before they go in now that they know a bunch of kids are in that bedroom? I would hope they'd avoid it entirely now. Okay. Who wants to talk to a bunch of weird half-bore kids? Yeah, cool backpack doesn't even work anymore. No. There's nothing not you can say to those kids. Uh, I gave best actor to seventh and worst actor to first. Okay. Uh, I only have one quick hitter. And it's, is this mean Borg, Jay Gordon? <laughs> I think it's the actor that played Jay Gordon. Did you look it up? Hold I on. did. I didn't look it up. 
That would have been, uh, let's call it cheating. Jay Gordon Gross was played by John Christian Gross. Oh. Uh, nope. Okay. He made appearances in L.A. Law, Empty Nest, Beverly Hills 90210, Quantum Leap, Murphy Brown, Doogie Howser, M.D., Blossom, and Seinfeld by the time he was 10 years old. But I guess not much else. <laughs> Apparently nothing after that. He, he gave me uh, Jay Gordon vibes at certain times. Yeah, hold on. Uh, they must have been talking about first, yeah? Yeah, first. The, the mean kid. The little shit. First Borg, a juvenile Borg drone. Played by? Ryan Spawn. I don't know who that is. All right. Well, let's hit DS9 then. Yeah, the winner last week was Deep Space Nine. This week, we watched Who Mourns for Mourn. Some people in the country will pronounce those two words the same, and some will pronounce them differently. Oh, is this a... Yeah, I think it's a caught-caught merger type thing. Um, Odo. Pester's mourn about some beets that are rotting in a, in the cargo bay, but mm-hmm. soon he realizes it's just a hologram that Quark put there to comfort the other patrons, because you know Morn's been away for a while, and of course, just then Cisco and Dax come in and tell everybody Morn beefed it in an ion storm. Credits. These are the stakes this week, I guess. I don't know. Fucking hit that filler, DS9. It is filler season. Everyone is reminiscing about Morn as they head to his memorial service at Quark's. Quark gives a eulogy, suggests that Morn's chair never remain empty. Keep it warm for Morn. Anyway, Sisko unseals Morn's will. I guess that's on him. And it turns out he left Quark everything. But what is everything? Turns out he had no money and all of his cargo was rotten beets. And in his quarters, there's like a nasty goo bath and, that I guess Morn sleeps in. And a painting of a matador, which actually is something. He bought that in the episode In the Cards. If um, if someone told me their only possession, they left it to you, and it's this painting of a matador, I'd be like, that's pretty fucking cool. This guy owned nothing but a picture of a matador. You wouldn't be fucking tearing the lining off of that painting to see what was hidden in it even before you heard anything about <laughs> hidden money or lottery winnings you wouldn't be like there's no way that's the only thing he owns no because that that would be the thing that i would find so impressive i'd be like he literally owned nothing but a painting of a matador that's incredible (laughs) i guess he was taking advantage of the existence of replicators why do you need to keep shit (laughs) everything got shoveled back into that thing at the end of the day but out of the goo bath slash bed pops a naked lady so yeah it's not all bad Laurel introduces herself as Morn's wife. She tells Quark that uh, Morn had some money for sure. 1,000 bricks of GPL. Uh-huh. What's a brick? A new unit of GPL did the fucking brick. Is that different than a bar? That's a different one. I think when we see it, it's bigger. All right, well, her game is obviously to seduce Quark and then split the cash or maybe take it all for herself. Who knows? It's not a secret to us at home. Uh, but it's anyway, not a secret to Quark. 
It's fucking Umox City up in here, man. Yeah, it's a lot of Umox. He gets like 50 Umox in this episode. There's a, again, there's an implied nudity too, so it didn't, this one's going to have a struggle in the rubric for me. <laughs> anyway, they have to find that money before they can split it. This Again, these are the stakes this week. Quark describes it all to Dax, who doesn't trust this lady. Maybe she saw the shit we saw too. You know, when she was looking at the dailies or whatever. Yeah. Quark returns well, to his... Well, she heard there was a nasty hot tub somewhere on the station. And look, she's married now, but she's not dead. That's right. She said, oh, wait, it's nastier than a regular hot tub? Hey, Ryan, uh, tell us if you would be interested in this hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan didn't watch this episode. Uh, just uh, memory alpha it. Um, Quark returns to his quarters and uh, finds them all dark. And these two goons step out doing like a bad like Goodfellas impression or something. I don't know what they're doing. These douchers say that they were in business with Morn. So now he's got to deal with them too. Morn owes him money. And after a short negotiation full of great hijinks, they settle on 50% of the estate. One of the goons busted the matador painting in Morn's quarters over Quark's head, and when they leave, Quark finds a locker key code thing. Maybe the latinum is in the locker. Odo helps him open it, and they find one bar, or brick maybe, that gives an account number with the, with the Bank of Bolius. <clears throat> this is a mystery that nobody cares about. Morn's wife finds Quark on the way back to his quarters, and he pretends he still doesn't know anything about the money. He gets onto the lift and realizes that she picked his pocket and took his special gold bar, or brick. Then the two goons ambush him on the lift, and there's more threats, and then Quark is off again, trying to memorize the account number the whole way. And he gets to his terminal to access the bank account, but a new dude holds him up at gunpoint. Well, this guy claims to be from Lurian security, even though he doesn't look anything like Morn. Just looks like a human. This guy charges Quark with uh, conspiracy to intercept government property or something. Uh, This guy says Morn is a prince and the thousand uh, bricks is royal property, so uh, we're reclaiming it. But when he hears Laurel is here, he loses his cool. So if you haven't caught on yet, this guy's also scheming. But they agree to set up Laurel and the two goons and capture him, and then Quark's going to get a reward or something. Quark gets back to his quarters and finds Laurel. She says that those, those two gangsters are after her. So they hide while the goons break in, and then the, the goons hide while the fake cop breaks in, and the... The fake cop can't understand Quark's hints about other people being there. Anyway, all the bad guys come out and they have a little reunion and they all work together with Morn in the way back on a big heist. And now they've come to claim the latinum that he took from them. They helpfully explain that the statute of limitations has expired (laughs) and they can't be prosecuted, so now they want the cash. And they think about killing Quark... Uh, but they decide they need him to accept delivery of the funds. They agree to split it five ways, giving Quark Morn's cut. They wait at the bar for the Latinum to arrive. Uh, none of them admit to killing Morn, so I guess it was just an accident. In case it isn't clear by now, Morn has faked his own death. <laughs> yeah, I just, sorry. 
Like, the episode doesn't keep these things very well hidden. Anyway, the Latinum arrives, and once they open up the case, everyone starts pointing guns at each other, except for Quark. None of these fuckers can be cool, so the standoff turns into a shootout within, like, nine seconds. Uh, Quark hides with the Latinum while Odo comes in and arrests everybody. And since they're all going to jail, Quark finally has all the cash to himself. Except, the bricks are fucking empty and there's no Latinum in them. It's just worthless gold. So this whole quest was for nothing. And then Morn walks into Quark's bar. Not a scratch on him. And Quark's mad, but then Morn leans over and regurgitates some Latinum into a glass for Quark. The tiny glass cork is holding is apparently a hundred bricks worth. So they don't put much latinum in those things. No. It's got a little tiny little sipping liqueur fucking glass. Anyway. Cork's happy. Morn's happy. And the war feels very far away. End. Yep. What the fuck was this one about? <clears throat> You think you know a person. <laughs> I, I love episodes that are just about an expression that people say sometimes. Um, I mean, Morn is always in quarks, and per the main running joke of the whole show, he never shuts up when the camera's off him. Yep. But Quark is perfectly willing to believe he had an ex-wife he never heard of, shady business dealings, even that he was the crown prince of Luria. Yeah. And it turns out he was part of a sector-wide famous heist. Yeah. And he's had a stomach full of latinum for years and years. So, shit. I guess you don't. I guess you never really know a person. Sure. But okay, so what? For fucking real, yes. What do we do with this take? Who cares? Yeah. I give it one point. Okay. It was big of you not to know, take it. Um, I thought about it. I mean, look, I thought about be careful what you wish for. I did. But that really only happens at the end. When he gets what he wants and then turns eyes. There's, there ain't nothing in it. Um, more money, more problems? He gets this big windfall, but then he has to deal with all of this bullshit. But, like, this is a very specific situation about gangsters and stuff. It's a one. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe you <laughs> thought it was just an excellent episode of television. Mm, well, it's a caper involving Quark, Morn, and four people we've never met. So. Oh, and Morn ain't in it, so don't. Morn's not don't in worry it. He's just, it. you know, his presence looms. <clears throat> I, this is such unbelievable filler. The gall to even <laughs> make this episode. I, do, okay. Don't you think they should have wanted to do more space war stuff? I mean, it's the big space war. Yeah, they set it up for seasons and seasons. I don't understand. Then you get to it and you're like, no, we're not doing that for a while. We, we need six like of 10 them. weeks off. We need like 10 weeks off before we talk about the space war again. So, yeah, that's not great. Um, no stakes, because even if Morn beefed it, nobody fucking cares. And Quark won't suddenly have so much money that he renounces the bar or anything. So we're bound to just end up where we started, as we do. Little League rules are in effect in this one. Cheap, hackneyed villains and schemes. Jokes that don't land. I don't know, man. After watching this, I didn't even have anything interesting to say about the episode. I was just very tired. 
Yeah. I'm going to give it another one. Hell is a two, but that feels like a one. Well. Uh-oh, naked lady in a hot tub. We're in mandatory deduction territory. <laughs> it's a DS9 dumb... runs afoul of. It's a dumb film noir story. It's a big farce. Quirk's greed gets him into a little bit of trouble in a season one way, I guess. But otherwise, there are really no stakes. Yeah. None of the old crew, none of Morn's old crew are particularly interesting characters. No, not even a little. Quark doesn't even get the upper hand in the end. He just hides in a big plastic dumpster, and he never figures out what's going on until Morn shows up again. No, we're told Quark is smart, but we see him every week just get fucking... He's so gullible, and he's deceived by everybody all the time. Yeah. It's just tough to even care about this one. Yo, I did Plus, it got a two-point deduction, a sex <laughs> deduction for the constant umoks and implied nudity. There were so many umoks. So. Um, so it's going to be a zero. Yeah, that's fair. It doesn't feel like a good episode, for sure. All right, well, world building, then. An interactive holo projector costs a lot of space money. <laughs> so Quark just got the dumb one. <laughs> we finally learn what gold-pressed latinum is, though we don't learn why you can't replicate latinum. Yeah. Uh, we learned some things about Lurian customs, and I guess we learned that Morn is Lurian. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if they've said that before. I don't remember it. They haven't said much about Morn before, except that Dax had a thing for him. Mm hmm Which I think was actually said previously. Yeah, but then it comes up in this one so the Bickersons can be in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a one or maybe a two. Okay. But I'm going to say one. Yeah, I mean, we got some stuff about Lurian funeral rituals. We know they got two stomachs. Apparently, you could even keep fucking liquid latinum in one of them for years and regurgitate it on command, so that's pretty weird. Um, did they say Lesepian lottery? Is that a thing? Or now it's Lesepian Mother's Day heist? Yep. Whatever. What's a brick of latinum? What is it? Storage lockers on DS9. In the assayer's office, assayer's office. We've seen the assayer's office about five times. The Bank of Bolius. I gave it a two. Oh, I guess I'll make mine a two then. And I here I was regretting that I didn't say I could see a one, though. <laughs> what would we have done if you'd given it a one, but you could see a two, and I'd given it a two, but I could see a one? I think I would give it a two, and you would give it a one, and we'd call it <laughs> Just to go flipsy, yep. Yeah. Uh, characterization. I'm glad yes, this one's please. going. I'm glad this is going fast because who needs to talk about this? Um, the big joke about Morn never shutting up. But apparently he was Worf's sparring partner, and Dax had a thing for him, etc., etc. The magnificent Bickersons. Quark always has an angle, even when Morn beefs it. But he's extremely gullible. I guess these writers hadn't seen, like, Alta Vista yet or anything. <laughs> Quark just believes every lie he's told in the episode and makes no attempt to corroborate anybody's story. Yeah. Everyone who shows up, he's just like, oh, you must be Morn's wife. Okay. Must be some way to look up marriage records or whatever. He don't try. He don't know anything about that. 
this guy shows up. He's like, oh, uh, Morn was a prince um, on Luria, and I'm a, a royal fucking police or whatever. And Quark just goes, that sounds real. Okay. <laughs> whatever you say. I believe you. I'll pay you money. And it's like, is Quark just extremely dumb? Are we just, can we just move forward and like now in every episode, I'll just know he's extremely dumb and then everything will make more sense. Yeah, it's like he's the dumb one and yeah. Rom's the smart Rom's one. Rom's the smart one and Quark's the dumb one. That's how I'll have to think about it moving forward. People just I, got it confused because Quark's voice is so much meaner than Rom's. That's right. But mean isn't always seem smart. smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but sometimes people are just mean. That's right. You don't have to be smart to be mean. Um, basically no one is in this other than Quark and Morn, and, I mean, Odo is there every once in a while to make a snide remark. Um, I gave it a two. Um. Well. Quark is greedy, but willing to give up half of his money to two gangsters he could probably get the drop on himself. <laughs> I mean, we saw him shoot two Jemadar at once. Yep. Willing to be hauled in by a fake cop, but not to go talk to a real one at any point. Mm -hmm. Willing to give 10% to a lady to get her to drop a case. He probably thinks he could win, but he's greedy and his greed gets him in trouble, huh? Mm. Like, what is he? Yeah. <sighs> no one else is really in this one, though everyone gets a little league scene. Yep. I guess we learn a lot about Morn, huh? The That's trouble important. is I don't think he counts because he will never speak and we will never know his <laughs> inner life. <laughs> it's true. That's very true. It makes no difference if any of these things are true or happened. Yep. So it's just going to be a one for me. Okay. That's fair. Well, it's not a good episode. It didn't score very well. And by the way, uh... I dropped a lot of points this week as I was reading <laughs> from where you had from where you as started. I was reading about these episodes that I could barely remember. I was like, well, these are all very negative notes. Fuck man. Hey, did you drop any from Voyager? Yeah, I dropped one from Voyager. I think. Yeah. Cause that would have tied him for the win. <laughs> oh, well, well I dropped two from, um, TNG from TNG. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so the scores are in. Uh, DNG's lose, losing streak is over in one of the most embarrassing ways. <laughs> um, 23 points is not great. Yep. Uh, the last place this week with 10 points, that's got to be Deep Space Nine's low, right? Let me just take a quick look. So I mean, few episodes of score below 10. Lower than the 10. one where the lady massaged words out of Jake's brain? Yeah, the previous low was <laughs> uh -oh. through the looking glass, which was a 10. So that's the same. Uh. Business as usual was an 11 and fascination was an 11. That is that the one is fascination that one or is fascination the one with the lady who oh. was the scientist's wife? You know, those scientists. <laughs> I think it was the one with, with the ghost. <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah, look, I, mean, I don't remember that's what bad. the what the name of the one but is where the sex vampires the point is all it is tied for the worst DS9 yeah episode. this is tied for the worst Deep Space Nine right. uh, not remotely close to tied for the worst Voyager is That's the second hard. place uh, this week Voyager which scored 22 points 
which is frankly fine. That's fine for them. <laughs> it's fine for them. It ain't great, but I mean, you know. that's what the shoot scored, and that couldn't have been a good episode. But <laughs> it's true. That's the a very shoot. good point. Uh, also, so the in, Q in the gray. Remember the yeah, Q Cthexus, in the gray. Yeah, tattoo. Oh my um, god. Future's End Part, part two. 2. These are Voyager episodes that score 22s. So that's the sort of class it's in here. Better than, say, Investigations, Future's End Part 1, <laughs> etc. It was consistent. It was but one point bad. higher with 23 points is... Uh, TNG. It's <laughs> the quality of life. That puts the same it in score as Captain's Holiday. And Ethics... <laughs> and also just to let you know what some similar know, episodes just, are. just those yeah exactly so congratulations next generation on your 55th win back up to seven over deep space nine who absolutely shot themselves in the foot with who mourns for more yeah i mean really it was a good chance to win again oh, they only needed 24 points to win this week but that's the thing you can count on all these fuckers to just pull out a filler episode that sucks ass just every few episodes. None of these shows well, know what they're doing. I know we hardly talked about Who Mourns for Morn. It was a real disappointment. I mean, there's nothing in it. What is it? What are we going to talk about? Am I supposed to talk yeah. about the gangsters playing the um, smart gangster, dumb gangster routine the uh-huh. entire time? I don't give a fuck about that, man. This is my dumb, violent brother. It wasn't I'm going to apologize for him, but not attempt to restrain his behavior in any way. It wasn't interesting or insightful. It wasn't Later anything. he'll shoot me. Yeah, it's just fucking trash. Yeah. Yeah. The good news is that we don't have to talk about or think about these episodes again if we don't want to. Well. The bad news is we got a lot of weeks left. (laughs) It never ends. I mean, it never will end. Next week, Uh we are discussing Chain of Command, but part one. So, it's going to be a lot of... Picard isn't going to talk about this great this mission that he's been assigned to, but we know it's dangerous. Not so great. Maybe there's some actual other drama in that episode. I don't remember. Yeah, it's mostly just we got a new boss. I don't like him. In Deep Space Nine, we're going to learn about how important science fiction writers were, and also about race and ourselves in Far hey, Beyond man. the Stars. Look, sometimes you don't even have to do a good job if you just really hit it hard. Yeah. If you just go, this episode is about racism. <laughs> and you have a clear take, and then you just go, you just go sit there and watch the points fucking roll in, man. Could be. Could be. But That's what it could we'll be, be a confusing mess, and we cannot figure out what the take is. I can't wait to find out. Could even be regressive. You it never know. Be. It could, could have be. the same message as "Let this be your last battlefield." You just yes, wanted it too fast. In a way, it could it could set the whole dialogue back. It's possible. Um, and uh, of course, for Voyager, it'll be my turn again, and I will be describing to you Yay. the follow up to Thank Fairhaven, you. which you also folk. have to describe. Yeah, <laughs> that makes me uh, so happy. I can't fucking wait to watch you squirm. Those are the episodes to uh, to watch if you're playing along. I know no one is. Why would they? You know what? If Even if it's just you just binge, binge listening to these podcasts you downloaded somewhere because uh, the Transistor web hosts have somehow survived the apocalypse and you've got nothing to do in your bunker. Yeah. And At least you can look I forward have, to those. 
I have purposely tagged all of these episodes with completely erroneous tags <laughs> in an attempt to get people to download it by accident. You've tagged... I don't know why it lets you tag this podcast UNESCO World Heritage Site. <laughs> people just Google that shit and this thing pops up. They're like, oh, it must be a podcast about the very thing that I'm interested in. And then they play it and they fucking wretch <laughs> with boredom. Anyway... That's what you uh, get to uh, look forward to next week, along with presumably quite a bit more Starfield talk. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, next week yeah. I'm gonna. I'm the gonna way I'm, it. the way I've been hitting it in my free time, in two weeks, I, I, I could be in New Game Plus. <laughs> yeah, I have not near put in nearly that much time. For one thing, almost all my time has been spent surveying one planet. So uh, that's not really <laughs> it how you really get does ahead. Take a long time. <laughs> It's not how you get ahead in this game. I don't. Care. If you fucking land on a planet and it's like eight, eight fauna and eight flora, you're like, no, I'm not doing this one. I gotta find them. I gotta find eight of each of these fucking things. I wanted to return and tell someone to their face that I wasn't gonna do the mission, but I picked it up. You got it from board. a mission board, so yeah, no so tell. I couldn't yeah. tell anyone, so I just did it. <laughs> I wanted to go and see their badly generated expressions, as I said. You should, you Fuck should be able to you. to go there and say. This isn't a job for one person. <laughs> you sent me. You sent me. You sent me. I'm just a guy. You sent me to survey this entire planet. Yeah, no, nah, I'm good. Thank you. I'm sorry. I've just got to walk around until I find uh, beryllium. <laughs> I'm walk until I find every. No, no, no. Until I find eight resources. I know there are eight of them. But I don't know. You even which ones. it even tells you what they are. Oh, it does. Okay, good. You still got to scan them for some reason. Doesn't tell you, you what, it doesn't tell you what the fauna and flora are, though. That's just When you scan the first one and hit show resources, it'll show you all of the resources you need to scan. Oh, okay. That's good, at least. Well, anyway. It don't tell you what kind of beasties you gotta scan. You just gotta nope. figure that out. Like, yep. no, there's another one out there. I don't know what it is, though. Uh, anyway. I should not start another Starfield conversation. Next week, I'm gonna <laughs> tag the episode Race Relations. I'm just gonna try to get someone in. All right, as you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do, as you believe, believe, so shall shall you you do. He says, after the razor was invented, beards became a fashion statement. I know, it's weird that you said uh, mankind has finally achieved Mach 3. It was a weird thing to say. It was weird that she said that. It's the 24th century. Please subscribe.